Yo, how's it going, guys? Christian Loza here with How It's Done Podcast, and uh, today for the ep- for our episode, uh, it's a very special one. Uh, this weekend is our ninth annual First Class Fitment Show uh, put on by Can I Beat at Princeton Airport, and uh, who I have right here beside me is a good friend of mine, longtime friend of mine, Dave Tormey. How's it going, man? Great. How are you doing, man? Pretty good, dude. So, uh, uh, you know, as I said, this is a special episode, and before we, like, jump into things and talk about the show and all that stuff, uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about you, man. So, for those uh, listening that, that don't know, tell us uh, about yourself, like, who you are and, and where you're from and all that stuff. Sure. So, uh, hi, everyone. My name's Dave Tormey. Um, I'm the events director for Can I Beat, and once a year, we, uh, we host an annual event called First Class Fitment. And as Christian mentioned, this is our uh, ninth annual event coming up this weekend on uh, October 13th. And, you know, outside of that, um, I'm a, you know, an avid car photographer. <laughs> that sounds weird. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm a, a big into automotive photography, um, longtime Honda guy. That's kind of how I met Christian and, and Roy uh, years ago. Um, and uh, I have two stepsons and uh, my wife, Heather, and we live here in Pennsylvania, uh, not too far from where we host the show in Princeton, New Jersey. And um, yeah, that's about it. Cool, man. So dude, tell us, how did you first get into photography and then eventually cars? Yeah, so for me, it was kind of, um, the two have always kind of gone hand in hand. Um, I, uh, you know, have been into cars, I think, since I was a, you know, a young kid, thanks to my dad and and some other influences. Um, And then, you know, when I got old enough to start driving um, and friends got into cars and, you know, we we both shared of several of us, uh, you know, shared that passion. And then the photography kind of came, stemmed from that really. It was, uh, started out as simply just wanting to take pictures of our, you know, our personal cars and and, um, then kind of got interested in other types of photography and taking photos of other things and just learning, you know, kind of the craft and um, pick that up as kind of a, another hobby and and um, went from there. So, I mean, years ago when I first started, um, magazines were more um, prevalent and, you know, there were a lot of other automotive magazines that um, have since closed up shop or are no longer in print. But, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to... Uh, do some freelance work for some of the the automotive magazines that um, we all used to to love and read. So publications like Honda Tuning, Import Tuner, um, those were the, the first two magazines that I was fortunate enough to have some photos in. I think one of the first photos was actually a photo of uh, of your old EP3 in Roy's car, um, Roy's EP3. So that was really exciting and uh, kind of just went from there, you know. So it, you know, one opportunity led to the next, and, and I just kind of stuck with it over the years. I mean, there's been kind of um, times where, you know, other things in life take over and, or, you know, get busy with work and, a, you know, day job. But, um, you know, it's it's always been um, something that I really enjoy and, and um, you know, love meeting different people and hearing their stories about their cars and and their love for um, car culture and, and the stories behind some of their builds. And you kind of get a piece of that every time you, um, you know, meet up with someone or meet someone new and get to uh, 
to photograph their car for them. I feel like that's the best part, just getting to know the owners and then eventually, yeah. obviously, their car. Yeah, so that that is a huge part of it. You know, there's there's obviously the photo part of it and the artistic side of it and, and being able to share, um, I think, your, you know, my perspective of a car and, and um, the pieces of it that I like or that stand out to me. But then there's, you know, the, the owner's a big part of that, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and their styling and their, you know, the history and what influenced them in, in building a car a certain way or a certain type of car, maybe. Um, so it's always cool to, uh, you know, to get to know the owners a little bit better as you're, you know, taking photos for them or um, writing a story, too. So I've, I've done a little bit of that over the years and used to do more of it, but, um, you know, I've done some freelance writing too to try and go hand in hand with the uh, the photos cool man yo so um i, n- I noticed that that this year you, you sort of uh got a little bit of sp- of, of a spark to shoot more cars can you just yeah. like tell us what's what set that off yeah um you know like i said i mean as you get older priorities change um you know the photography and the cars are, have always been a, a big passion of mine but um they don't always pay the bills, right? I have a day job. Um, you know, I've, I've worked for uh, Johnson & Johnson now for over 10 years. That's something that I, I've been doing, um, you know, since college. And, and it's a, you know, that's my career. That's my, my Monday through Friday um, job. And, and um, you know, very different science in many ways from the, the car culture and the photography and artistic side of things that, um, that I enjoy doing outside of work. But I think they're, they kind of balance each other out, you know. So there's the the corporate side of me that I and the fun that side. I live, and then there's this, you know, a little bit more laid back, um, you know, artistic side with the photography and the cars and being able to express yourself through um, through the cars and you know just kind of enjoy them with friends and other like-minded people. So, um, but as far as this year goes, yeah, I guess um, you know I just. Here in the Northeast, with the way things are and the weather and the winters we have, you know, we tend to um, have a shorter car season, if you will, or, or number of months that we all get out and, and go to events and drive our cars or even, in, in many ways, um, take photos. And I think over the winter, I just, um, you know, had a, an itch, if you will, to, uh, to kind of get back into it. I, I ended up picking up a new camera for the first time in a few years and several years actually and um really just wanted to kind of you know test it out (laughs) yeah test it out or just get back out there and um you know i as a photographer i'm sure a lot of other people out there that um that enjoy whether it's cars or other types of photography you kind of have your you know your bucket list or or maybe a short list of you know places you want to go and photograph or cars you want to photograph whatever it might be and and i've always kind of had a list and you know, of friends and, and other people's cars that I've wanted to shoot. So this year I kind of set out to, um, you know, just get a little more active, get out there and um, shoot some of those cars that I've always wanted to and meet up with people that I've been talking about shooting in their car for years or months and um, just haven't gotten around to it. So, you know, that there's always one of those things like it's never ending. Like, <laughs> you, you know, even as if you're shooting every day or, you know, every weekend, whatever the case might be, there's probably still something else out there that you're striving for or want to improve on. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think like any, like any skill photography is just one of those things that with practice and with, you know, 
that's the only way to get bad effort yeah you just kind of um you know refine your craft and find more of your style and and that's a big thing too for me i think is is um really just you know one of my hopes has always been to kind of create my own style or have a recognizable you know look and feel to um to my photos and um you know there's a lot of other photographers out there that i look up to that that really exemplify that and have their own recognizable style and like without a watermark or without without even looking at you know who posted a certain image you know whose it is yeah you can kind of you know you know because you've seen it before and it's 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 really unique mm-hmm. um i'm not saying i'm there yet I, I don't know that i am but um you know it's it's something that i uh hope to continue to work on speaking of of you know you getting a new camera and your, and stuff can you tell yeah. us uh, your first camera setup versus like what you shoot with now. I'm sure it obviously has tremendously evolved since. Yeah, first... yeah, it's crazy how much has changed. Um, you know, I I guess when I first, um, <laughs> I'm kind of dating myself a little, and you know, some guys still obviously shoot film, but um, when I first started shooting, it was just with a, a point and shoot um, Canon Elf that uh, that took film. So you know, I still have um, a lot of printed photos and and some of the um the old school advantix uh, i think it was called kodak film where you could print in like panoramic photos and and i still have a bunch of those photos that i um took and and printed when i was in high school of um my first car and and some of my best uh best friends you know first cars or first few cars that uh that we had and just um kind of messing around and you know going to anything from taking pictures in our driveways to parking garages to car meets um things like that and so yeah i started with just a simple point and shoot film camera and um progressed from there my first um my first slr was a actually a nikon uh, it was a nikon d80 and um you know that was i guess around late you know before i graduated high school i guess it was and into early, early years of college and um, I've just kind of stuck with Nikon since then. That's your brand. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've, um, I think uh, there's a bunch of other, you know, great camera manufacturers out there. Nothing against Canon. Sony now is a, you know, has a big presence in the, the SLR market. Um, you know, things are changing with mirrorless cameras and everything. So, you know, I think there's something for everyone out there. Uh, you know, I went into it thinking I would end up with a Canon SLR because I had a Canon point-and-shoot camera but it just didn't go that and I think one of the best pieces of advice that I got early on from someone and I I forget who said it but um it was to just go to the camera store go to the you know the electronics store Best Buy whatever and just um try and you know pick up or hold some of the cameras that you're looking at or that you're interested in and see them in person and get a feel for what they they feel like in your hand and you'd be surprised um you know how I think those are some of the biggest differences, just like the ergonomics, the the way the the menus work and the settings and and it's got um, a feel, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, long story short, I thought I was going to end up with a Canon. I went to a store and looked at the Canon, looked at the Nikon, and the Nikon just you know felt right, and uh, I liked how it felt in my hand. It fit well. It was the right weight. It, you know, whatever, and um, kind of went that down that road, and you know, ever since of have just kind of evolved to different Nikon cameras. How many uh, Nikon bodies have you had since your D80? Um, I think I'm on my fourth or fifth now. Okay. So, you know, every 
few years, I probably ended up with a new camera. I think my last one was probably the longest I've had a camera, and that was um, a Nikon D700. And uh, it was, you know, it was just a solid camera that that really never, you know, failed me and uh, and and lasted for several years. Still have it as, you know, as a backup um, until I, you know, replaced it this year with uh, a Nikon D850. It was just time for an upgrade, or yeah, I think, um, you know, it was little things from just like some of the rubber pieces on the handle, you know, the grip and and the body of the camera starting to kind of fall off or peel back and um you know the shutter count was getting higher and higher up up there and um you know and thing technologies like we've said come a long way over the years so you know it's like every year in in terms of advancements of like camera technology or tvs or you know any other electronics is um pretty can be a pretty big difference um but for years i didn't feel like you know anything that um I felt like, you know, I was in a good place and the camera I had was, you know, the D700 met my needs, was producing good images, um, and I, you know, did the job for me. And then it just, you know, it's gotten to the point where some of the newer cameras just perform so much better in terms of, like, low light performance. So if you're shooting, you know, in closer to dusk or early morning hours or, um, you know, sunset and things like that, you know, you really see... Um, how much better the dynamic range is on like well, a newer camera. yeah and then plus like the quality is just way yeah the resolution i mean in some ways you know it's like i almost would say it's overboard for most people right you know unless you're blowing up photos and putting them on billboards or you know printing things in in very high resolution um most people probably don't need the um you know the 45 46 megapixel cameras that are out nowadays but um so, you know, that, and then with those come these huge file sizes and it's like, you know, you're running out of memory on your <laughs> yeah. hard drives and stuff. So they create, you know, the new technology as great as it is, um, does have some. Comes with having to upgrade other things. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that you find out, oh, your computer can't even keep up with the file sizes or things like that. So, um, you know, it's, I guess, a has its pluses and minuses. Did, did you, I forget, did you keep your old body as like a backup or you just sold it? Yeah, no, I kept it. Um, so, you know, I think I learned my lesson, uh, I don't know, it's probably four or five years ago. I, I had, um, I forget it was, I guess I had a shoot coming up, a car that I was photographing for, um, for I think it was Super Street or Modified Magazine at the time. And um, the weekend before I was just out taking pictures of another car, just, for fun, I think, you know, it wasn't a paid gig or anything like that. And someone um, accidentally bumped into my tripod and knocked my camera over on its face. And, uh, you know, long story short, the, the camera wasn't working properly and was having some error messages and you know, needed to be sent back to Nikon to have it checked and out and some repairs. Something. And at the time, that was my only camera. So it was, you know, I, I ended up having to... Um, to rent something just to kind of get me by and you know not too long after that i i had that was when i had a nikon d300 and not too long after that i ended up getting the d700 and you know at that point it was like okay i'm gonna keep this other body <laughs> once it got back from nikon and everything was checked out and it worked again just to have the the backup and and there's just certain types of shooting where having two bodies can actually be helpful um you know, with two different lens setups. So, so you don't have to keep switching them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd been, 
doing some you know more motorsports um, type events and having you know two different lens or body setups can be helpful when you're you know shooting something on the fly or in any type of really event photography where you you know you you don't want to miss certain moments or um, because you're, because like you're changing lenses your yeah. or you're looking away from you got to be quick yeah 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 so so ever since then it's you know I've just kind of had a secondary well, you know kept an older body as a backup just in case what uh, are your favorite kind of events to shoot yeah so um, good question I guess I do really enjoy the motorsports stuff I don't get to do it nearly as often as I'd like um, you know, where we are here in, in Pennsylvania, you know, about an hour or 45 minutes outside of Philadelphia, there are some events, you know, annual events or um, track events that, you know, are around. But um, typically I get out to, you know, Formula D New Jersey every year, and that's been kind of a, um, a tradition, you know, over the past, I don't know, seven or eight years. Um, and I do that with some friends that, that also, you know, either travel with Formula D and hit pretty much all of the rounds or local friends that are there also um, pretty much every year. So I, I kind of enjoy the action, you know, and just the unpredictable kind of nature of like a, a motorsports event like that. It's a lot it's, more fun than shooting cars that are just standing still. <laughs> it can be. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's different aspects of, of both, you know, the kind of motorsports and like a car show that, um, that I enjoy, you know, and I guess um, this, you know, the, more typical car show events um i probably you know i'll be honest i do less um coverage of those type of events um than i maybe used to or when we were you know in the early days of can i beat and we were focusing more on um, regular event coverage but um you know i still enjoy that piece of it and kind of the people again you know just when you're at a, a car show i mean when everyone's kind of you know, there for the day for several hours and we're either vending or we have one of our, you know, one of us has our cars or multiple friends have their cars in the show. It's fun to also kind of just walk around and, you know, capture the people or the, the vibe of an event. Um, that's always, uh, can be challenging, I guess, as a photographer to kind of really capture a feel of an event and, you know, the atmosphere. But, um, you know, whether it's a, a car show or, you know, motorsports or something else, I think that's always um, the fun part of it. Yeah. What about your favorite type of photography, like minus automotive, just besides automotive? Um, that's a good one. You know, I, I mean, I have a huge appreciation for people who do, you know, work with, with other people, whether it's, you know, um, model photography or just portraiture. Um, it's not something that I've, personally gravitated to you know, or that's come naturally to me I've kind of dabbled in it here and there and you know I, I certainly um you know have my camera with me when it comes to like family events and trying to just capture those memories um around the holidays and things like that but you know I guess um I really do appreciate someone that can not only capture you know um a person and in the right light or in the right setting, but also, um, you know, can converse with a model or a person and kind of coach them on maybe how to work or how to position themselves. And, and I think that's a whole nother skill set. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a whole lot of coordinating. You know, I know you've had Marcus on the, on the podcast before, and we've known him for years through kind of cars and our background there. But, um, you know, it's been a lot of fun to watch him over the years and just watch his, his work progress and um 
you know, really just the talent that he has as far as, you know, having really an eye for um, people and, and, you know, capturing them um, in so many different settings and people with different looks and different styles. And um, that's, that's uh, not easy. And it's, um, you know, it it's, can be a very saturated market, right? There's a lot of Absolutely. people out there that are, that um, enjoy that type of photography and that are very skilled. But, um, you know, I think it really, the fact that he, his work really stands out speaks to just, um, you know, how talented he is. Yeah. So dude, let's talk cars for a little bit, man. Sure. Tell us about your, your uh, S2000. Yeah. So um, I have a 2008 Honda S2000. Um, I've had it since it'll be eight years this December. So, you know, had it for several years. Um, it's the longest I've owned a car. And, and to be honest, I don't tend to go through cars that often, though. So, you know, it, it's not to say that I've um, had dozens of different cars. I really <laughs> haven't. I, too, yeah. um, I know we have some friends that, are, you know, some people we know that, that tend to have new cars every year or every other year. Um, that That's not really me, I guess. I tend to hold on to my cars a little bit longer. Um, but, yeah, I've, you know, the S2000 has been a great car. Um, I've really enjoyed it. And. Like I said, it'll be eight years in, in December that I've had it. And, um, you know, it's in, some, in many ways, you know, it's not my everyday car. It's not my daily driver, um, but it's also not really a sh- what I would consider a show car. It's so in some ways it's kind of like in between <laughs> a little bit of do everything. You know, I've, I've been on road trips with it. I've been to, you know, n- numerous car shows with NIB and with you guys and and um and, and then I just, you know, and then I've, yeah, I've done a few track events, uh, a couple, and, um, you know, enjoyed that side of it too. And, and then there's just, you know, I'll, I'll drive it to work some days or I'll, <laughs> you know, um, drive it on the weekends just for fun by myself or with my wife or with friends. Uh, so, you know, it, in that sense, it served many purposes and, you know, enjoyed a, a few, bunch of different aspects of it. Um, you know, so it's kind of, um, yeah. It's it's fun in many ways, you know. It's a sportier car, but it's um, it's still uh, serves many purposes. Yeah. What first attracted you to Hondas, and like what has kept you into them? Yeah. So, um, it's a good question. I mean, I've yeah, I kind of consider myself a Honda guy. That's all I've ever really owned. Um, even you know, daily drivers and, and project cars or cars that I've you know modified over the years, and. I think it's, um, you know, it's a common place for people to kind of be introduced to the, the automotive world. You know, it's an affordable car, whether it's a Civic or an Integra or, um, you know, an, an older Acura, whatever. That It's a common place for people to start out because it's affordable and there's just so much aftermarket support in the Honda industry. So I think, <laughs> you know, that opens the doors for many different styles and interpretations or like we we're saying you know many different uses right i mean there's people who have hondas that drive them to work every day and and they're just commuters and daily drivers and then there's people who you know they're their show cars and they you know t- touch every nut and bolt and and customize them you know in many different ways um so i guess i enjoy that variety and and just, um, I think, you know, the Japanese car culture, too, and just being able to um, kind of track down, you know, unique parts or 
um, modifications that you know not, aren't necessarily um, easy to find here in the U.S. And there's kind of that like you know um, that piece of I guess the hunt, if you will, to find those those uh, hard parts or you know um, the patience that's needed to kind of wait for like it's something that you have to order from Japan and, yeah. and uh, wait for it to be shipped and come in or wait for it to be made. So, um, yeah, I, I guess a um, bunch of different things I mentioned, but, um, you know, I've always enjoyed the people, too, and, and that I've met over the years and kind of the tight-knit, you know, community that, that we have for Hondas in the, um, the Northeast and New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. They're, you know, very popular and a lot of good people out there that um, have been a part of, I guess, the Honda community that I've been fortunate enough to, to meet over the years. Do you see yourself sticking to a Honda for your next car? Um, you know, I'm not sure. I guess like when you think of like the Honda world, right? It's at least Honda specifically. It's you know in terms of like w their popular cars or their most you know their performance or sports cars. Um, you know, the S2000 was always one that I um, wanted when I was younger, and and obviously couldn't afford when I was in high school or probably had no business driving when I was in <laughs> high school or would have gotten myself in, you know, even more trouble than, than I already did, uh, in my Integra. But, um, you know, the next, the next one is logical, um, progression, I guess, is the NSX, right? I mean, that's the like flagship, um, sports car in the Honda, you know, lineup. And, um, so, you know, part of me has always loved them and, for their styling, and I think they were way ahead of their time when they were, you know, in production. At least, the, obviously, I'm referring to the the first generation of NSXs. Yeah. There's now the new ones out, but um, yeah, I um, I actually just had a chance to drive one for the first time recently in an older uh, 1991 NSX, and it was fun. It was like you know, you after admiring them and and kind of looking up to them and someday thinking of maybe it's a possibility it was nice to finally see what it was like in real life and get behind the wheel of one but um it is you know at this point it's a it's a little older car right it's early oh, 90s you know 30 year old car almost depending on the year and um you know with that i guess you know things technologies come a long way and so it's kind of that in my mind it's that debate between do i want that kind of um you know, more um, raw, kind of stripped down, you know, feel of an older car or a classic kind of car, like an older NSX or maybe even older kind of um, car? Or do I, you know, do I want something newer that's... A know, little bit more advanced. More yeah. advanced or has some of the more, you know, modern uh, comfort features. So, I mean, I have kind of the, you know, the reliable, comfy daily uh, driver. And then it's like, well you know having a maybe an older or not so not as practical fun car on the weekend makes more sense yeah. and it's not not as bad if you know if it's not something you need to uh to drive every day yeah so yeah, we'll I, see I, mean, I, I think the nsx is like at the top of like pretty much every honda guys is like this yeah yeah it's it's definitely um it's up there i mean that still to this day you know it's amazing to me that an early you know 90s car um you know, you look at one and, and people are, you know, still wowed by them, I think, when they see them on the street or, um, you know, when they see one out, out driving around. And um, I think that just, yeah, speaks to how, like, a, fo a 
far ahead of their time they were when when they were being made. Um, you know, and with that said, though, the S2000 is uh, hard to beat, I think, in terms of handling and performance and and just at the price point, too, because, you know... That's N the biggest... NSX yeah. prices have, you know, been pretty steady or actually, in some cases, probably started to go up um, because, you know, we're hitting that sweet spot, I think, where people our age that grew up, you know, with the NSX as a dream car or, as you know, with the NSX on the poster on the wall or whatever you know, uh, in their room, then they're now at a point in their lives where they can, you know, afford these cars and they're a little bit older. And, um, I think that, you know, that's just kind of increasing the demand for some of them. So, you know, it, when you can get into an S2000, which I think is, you know, a great handling car, well-performing, reliable, still sporty, um, for, you know, a fraction of what maybe an NSX costs, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to, make that jump <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i know the story but uh, some of our listeners might not so uh, and let's talk about this sure. how, how did you first link up with can i beat yeah so um i guess it was back in 2008 2009 that um that myself and a few friends from up here in the, the new jersey new york pennsylvania area that were all into cars um decided we were going to make the trip down to Nashville, Tennessee uh, in the summer for the annual Import Alliance summer uh, event or meet. And um, that event was kind of, you know, was very popular, um, still is, I think, in many ways. And um, at that time, you know, a lot of people were traveling from all over the country to Nashville every summer to, uh, to meet up at Nashville Super Speedway, the old NASCAR track. And... Um, Don Napier and, and his team were hosting um, the the Import Alliance event there, and that was their biggest event of the year. And um, we went down there. It was my first, I guess, probably the first time I went in yeah. 2009. And um, that's when I met you and your brother Christopher and Roy and and some of um, you know our now other good friends, um, you know, from Virginia and DC area. And, and elsewhere, right? I mean, so like I said, there were so many people coming from all over for those those events back then. And um, yeah, we met we met there in Import Alliance. Um, that was before Can I Beat had you know really started. And um, I guess you know you and Roy had um, kind of started off the Can I Beat name and and um, purchased a do domain and you know started the website in in late two thousand nine. And, um, you know, that was, you know, a few months after we had met in, in Nashville for Import Alliance and I had stayed in touch with you guys. And, and I think um, at some point there soon after, you know, maybe just a few weeks to a month or so after you guys had started off, um, can I beat, I had come down to, uh, to Virginia to hang out with you guys and take some pictures of your cars. And then one thing led to another. And, you know, I, I liked what you guys were doing and the idea of kind of sharing, you know, um, other cool cars that we found online and starting to photograph our own cars and features or event coverage and um, just started contributing with you guys. And I guess in some ways I was the, um, one of the first, you know, photographers to join the team. And, um, you know, that was towards the end of 2009, like I mentioned, right kind of leading up to our winter, you know, we stayed in touch over the winter and then into 2010 things kind of picked up and you know we had we were getting some traction with with the website and and kind of starting to uh, 
find more of our own style, I think, and build more of our own original content as opposed to just kind of reposting yeah. other people's photos. And um, yeah, then we started attending more events. I think one of the first events we actually vended at was um, was East Coast Honda Meet in mm -hmm. Richmond, Virginia, which is Marcus's um, old meet that he organized. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't really know what we were doing. Uh, <laughs> we had, you know pretty basic uh, setup with tables uh, and some of our cars and our friends' cars parked up. And um, we probably, you know, we're asking ourselves, like, how much do we charge for stickers and T-shirts yeah. and different things? But, um, yeah, it was all a learning process. We kind of went from there and, you know, to another event and another and, and um, started traveling a little bit more. You know, that was local to you guys kind of in Virginia. And then we we started to branch out and go to other events and get a little bit more serious about it. And um, at that point, I was still, you know, playing more of um, the role, I guess, as, you know, a photographer and and um, helping with some of the writing or editing with some of the features and, you know, tracking down them. But then I started to kind of network with other photographers and start, you know, trying to get car to expand our reach, try and find some cars and, um photographers to work with that you know from other states or even in some cases other countries uh, to to really start showcasing cars that people hadn't seen before or um, you know quality photos of cars that maybe hadn't been um, you know hadn't had a, a nice photo shoot done before or a write-up and um, yeah just really you know we did we stuck with that for several years um, but really I guess back up for a second you know that first year after we had attended several people's events we ended up going back obviously to import alliance and i think that was you know that was a big year for us where we set up our first booth yeah that at, was our first booth yeah yeah that was the first like serious you know effort at kind of putting together a nice booth having you know several t-shirts and stickers made just for that you know event and and um you know, trying to have a, a I think more of a legitimate presence than that maybe that first time we went to East Coast Honda meet, yeah. and um, things went well. I mean, we had tons of our friends there. It was that was an amazing year. I'll never forget that. And um, I think a lot of us, you know, that was a a trip and um, you know a show that we'll probably never forget. Yeah, and absolutely, we um, you know, we've attended several other events later that year and throughout the summer. And I think by the end, you know, by the time fall was rolling around or the end of the summer, we were kind of like, well, you know, we've, we've attended all these other events that people host uh, in different states and different types. You know, we went to H2O, we, you know, we did some of the Honda events, um, you know, kind of a variety. But I think the theme was like, okay, there's all these different types of events some small, some large, some catered to just Japanese cars or just Hondas, some catered to European cars. But there wasn't a lot at that time that were really open to all makes and models or that Everything. were bringing together people from, you know, from different genres of different age groups. Um, and so we said, hey, w let's try and host our own event. And that's kind of what, you know, led us to here today with um, with First Class Fit Men and yeah, we can talk more about that. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. So for those that don't know, like, what is First Class Fitment? Yeah, so it's an annual car show that we, we host in Princeton, New Jersey. As we mentioned when we started off, it's um, 
this is our ninth event. Um, our first event was in, in October 2010. And, um, you know, our, our ninth event's coming up this weekend. And it's, um, you know, it's a car show at, at a, you know, at the very basic level, but, um, kind of to what I was alluding to just a minute ago was, you know, it's a, an event that's really open to all makes and models, um, modern, classic, um, you know, very, um, I guess, entry-level cars to supercars, you know, we have a little bit of everything. And um, I think, you know, the intent was really to um, showcase a variety of quality cars in a unique venue um, with, you know, people from all walks of life, different backgrounds, different age groups, and just, you know, for one day out of the year, bring people from, from different corners of the car community together um, to just hopefully enjoy a, you know, laid back atmosphere with, with other like-minded people that, you know, share the love for cars and, and hopefully kind of, you know, for me at least to kind of open up people's minds and, you know, perspectives to just uh, appreciating all different types of cars. You not know? just like specific ones. Yeah. Not just, you know, the, the, type of car that they drive or the type of car that they, um, you know, are into, whether it's Japanese or American or German, um, but really kind of seeing what else is out there and, you know, meeting people from, from other parts of the community that maybe otherwise they would never meet. And I think it's just, you know, in many ways when I think of, you know, the event and when the day comes and we're, you know, there at the airport for the show, just to kind of look around and see like the, the different people and different cars like parked next to each other that maybe otherwise these people or these yeah. cars would never cross paths or would never um, maybe have met before. And, um, you know, I think that's cool. I, I That's one of my biggest, um, you know, one of my favorite parts, I guess, about organizing the event and, and the event in general is just the, um, you know, how different people can come together and still all get along and have a good time and, you know, hopefully appreciate, even if it's not their style or their type of car that they, they like that, um, that, you know, someone else does enjoy it and does, has put their time and effort and, you know, money mm -hmm. and, um, into something else. Tell us about your involvement with the show. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I guess to put a label on it, I'm, you know, the events director, um, I'm the one who, you know, I guess kind of, uh, I don't want to say came up with the idea, you know, me, you and Roy, um, you know, obviously worked together on, you know, we, we as a group, um, can I beat, you know, said we wanted to host our own event and kind of, you know, just started brainstorming. And, and, um, I think, one of those things when you you've never hosted an event before you know i my background and my day job have nothing to do with with car shows and event organizing and promoting and and so we all were kind of starting from scratch and um you know i think we we want what well, one of the things we observed at a lot of other events was that a lot of them were just all about size. They wanted to see how many people, how many cars they could get. They just, 
and I don't want to say that was their only objective, but it was but, a big part of it. Yeah, and and I think there's a place for that. I think it, you know, anytime you can bring together such a large amount of people in the community or, you know, just in general for an event, it's um it certainly, you know, changes the feel or the, you know, the scale of things, right? You you know, you reach more people, you um, and then you're just a big show and it's good. Yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, and, and it, I think there's a place for that, you know, the big crowds, I mean, there's certain events that, um, that, that, and, and venues, I think that, that, that those, that caters to, right. Um, but you know, the other frustration I think that we, we had, or that I, I can say that I had was that, you know, uh, in the group of in some of these larger events where you're walking around and you're going in and out of the rows of cars or you're hanging out all day and checking out cars um you might you know there may be only there's a lot of the same car like we said either you know maybe it's just all one genre and it becomes kind of repetitive or you know maybe in in the group of you know a huge parking lot or a huge venue there may be only a you know a handful of cars that really stand out to you or that um you know were those that really impressed you and caught your attention and our you know being new to organizing events we knew that we couldn't just throw together a, you know an import alliance scale event with thousands of thousands of people and thousands of cars i mean that that requires a lot of resources um the right venue a big reach and all uh, that stuff yeah yeah and and yeah the reach obviously and just having the you know reputation or or um you know, history that, that brings that many people out to an event. So we knew we had to start smaller, smaller scale, and therefore we wanted to try and find something, you know, a unique venue, something that maybe, um, you know, not hadn't been done, because, I mean, there's there's so, so many different events out there, but just something that provided a, a nice backdrop for the cars, a different atmosphere than, you know, the other events that we had been attending in the Northeast and even in other, you know, parts of the country. And, um, yeah, so, you know, that's kind of where we were in terms of brainstorming and trying to develop the show. And then um, I happened to, on my daily commute back and forth from uh, home to, to work, I would pass uh, the Princeton Airport every day on my way to work. And never really thought much of it. You know, I've sat in traffic in front of the airport. <laughs> I've been pulled over by cops in front of the airport. Um, seen planes come and go. It's just a small airport where, you know, for the most part, recreational, like people who happen to own a plane or be taking lessons to learn how to fly, that's the type of airport it is. And... Um, but when we were thinking about hosting an event and one day I was kind of driving by the airport, I really thought, well, hey, I mean, an airport has a lot of paved surface, right? It's, um, you know, there's the hangars, which could be cool if we could maybe park cars in a hangar or, um, yeah, it just, things started to click and it sounded like, hey, maybe there's something there, but I don't know anyone that owns an airport. I don't know the people that, that run the Princeton airport, so... What do we do? Um, well, you know, I just stopped by one day on my way home from work, walked in and, um, you know, said, introduced myself and asked, you know, if um, I could speak to someone in charge or an owner. And uh, Ken, the owner, came out and, um, you know, explained that 
who I was and, you know, what my idea was and, and just to see if he'd be interested or entertain the idea of even uh, having, you know, at the time, I guess, you know, I was in my early 20s and young kid really and have, you know, someone come to his airport and set up a car show. And I think uh, it's funny, we joke about it a little bit now, but, you know, I think that first year, he, I don't think we any of us knew what to expect. He kind of Thankfully, he's like, yeah, you know, we've had some events here before. We've never done a car show, but they've had some local like town type of fairs and, yeah. and other events. And he's like, yeah, we've we could do something like that. And I think he thought I was just, you know, having a bunch of friends over at the airport <laughs> and, uh, you know, hanging out. And and, um, you know, he didn't really know what to what extent we were going to try and plan a show. And um yeah, when he gave us the okay, that was probably in like August of 2010. And we said, okay, let's do this. We want to do it before the end of this year. We want to like, it'll be like a great way to end our first like full year as, you know, can I beat? And we just went with it. And um, we, you know, there was a lot of unknowns, things we, we oh, didn't yeah. know how to do, um, who to contact, uh, you know, how to communicate with people. But um you know, we figured it out. The show was much smaller than I think it was about 125, 100, maybe 150 cars. I, I don't even think it was that big. Um, and today it's closer to 400 cars. So that's wild, man. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day. Yeah. So, so I know we get asked this a lot. Um, do you, uh, how, how did we come up with the name First Class Fitment? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's that's a tricky one, I guess. Um, another thing, I think we were just kind of throwing out ideas and brainstorming. You know, okay, we want to have a show, but but what type of show? You know, what what do we want to cater to, and what what do we want to call it? And you know, we I don't really. There's probably a file on one of our old computers or <laughs> piece of paper with some scribbled down notes somewhere um, <clears throat> if we look for it. But you know, I think we threw around a few different ideas. I mean, at the time. You know the the whole stance and um, wheel fitment trend, if you will, was was just starting to pick up and and become a little bit more popular. And I think amongst us and our friends, you know, we were all starting to build our cars with a little bit more aggressive wheel fitment and ride height and and just kind of you know there was maybe just a little more attention, obviously being paid to the to, that, yeah. to the wheels and and how they fit on the car than than in the past and i think we all we enjoyed that you know in our group of friends and so there was that there, there's kind of where the fitment i guess piece of it came from um and then the first class was kind of you know i guess in, it's kind of a play on words right it has two meanings i guess is what i'm trying to say right it's ties to the airport and the airport theme because that's where we're hosting the show and and you know but then it also speaks to, I think, the quality of the cars and, and our, you know, saying, I guess, and one of our mottos with, with Can I Beat and with the show has always been quality over quantity. And, you know, some of you guys who've followed us long enough or have, you know, been to the show before have seen the, the slogan and, you know, printed on shirts and stickers. And we really, you know, I think take that to heart and, and try and, um, you know, stick, stick, to, stick yeah. to that. And we have over the years, I think, um, you know, kept that in the back of our minds. And I think that's always kind of like a reminder as far as, you know, even though styles change with cars and new cars have come and gone and, um, 
you know, different trends have kind of faded out and new ones have popped up. I think, um, you know, our, our goal is always to try our best to focus on the quality of the cars and the variety too, um, more so than, than the number of cars. Gotcha. So we're never, I personally, you know, I'd have no, no goal of making first class fitment, you know, the biggest or, you know, largest show in, in the area or, you know, really anywhere. Um, I think part of what people like and what I enjoy is, is that it's a, you know, somewhat smaller group of, of, um, cars and, and that, you know, it's, uh, I guess more of like a laid back, calmer feel, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, um, than, you know, maybe the high energy, huge crowd, big thousands of cars. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a little bit more grassroots, um, vibe to it. Okay. So, okay. Moving on, let's talk about, so the, the prep that goes into the show, can you give us just like a rundown of, of what the prepping for the show is, is involved or what's involved with that? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of things. Um, I don't want to make it sound like it's more complicated than it is. It, at the end of the day, it, it's a car show, right? I mean, there's um, there's certainly a lot of you know different details that I cover off on and that that we work on leading up to the event. Um, but you know, th- those are things that I think we've learned over the years too. And some of them, you know, get a little bit easier with time, and you know what to expect because we've done it for several years, but then there's some things that are just, you know, unpredictable and that you try and plan for and, um, you know, prepare for like the weather, for instance, right? We can't, um, that's one thing that we, we really can't control. We have no control but, over it. So we try and focus on the things that, um, that we, we do have control over, right? And so, you know, from, from just um, general awareness to, you know, as far as promoting the event is concerned and getting the word out and, and um, letting people know, like, everything from, you know, it kind of starts with announcing a date, right, and just kind of helping spread the word to um, to the registration process, and that is something that nowadays isn't so unique. There's, there's obviously several events, um, not only in the, you know, Northeast, but in the U.S. and even abroad that I think have somewhat similar, you know, kind of um, registration processes where they're, you know, basically having um, show car or be a, you know, owners of cars register their cars and submit some photos or information about the vehicle. And, um, and then as the organizers, um, we, we basically look at those registrations and then try and, try and select the, the cars that um, you know, we think will provide a, that variety that we're looking for, but also still kind of uphold that, that quality standard that, that we have for the event and um you know thankfully we we have we're in a position where we receive more registrations than we do have spots and and it's kind of a double-edged sword right i mean it in some ways um you know we'd love to have everyone but then like i said before part of what what makes the show um i think special and what some people enjoy is that you know that quality of the exclusiveness of, of it yeah the yeah. exclusive exclusiveness of it but also just the um kind of hand-picked if you will um 
nature of that you know registration process it's it's it can be tough i think as an event organizer to manage because you know it you can't please everyone unfortunately and um you know i think some people can um take it to heart and and do get up unfortunately upset about whether if their car isn't chosen or um you know if if uh yeah if their car isn't chosen for the event but I guess it's um, we really try and take that personal element out of you know the whole registration process as as much as we can. Um, we tr- you know really try and just focus on the cars and and um, that variety that we're speaking to. So I mean, here for example in the Northeast, you know if you guys if you're listening to this and you aren't from the area, um, you might not know this, but I mean. For example, European car culture in the Northeast is very popular, right? We have a, a lar- huge um, Volkswagen and, and Audi community, and um, and we have a huge Honda community too, right? So we could easily host an event that that was just you know three or four hundred Hondas or three or four hundred Volkswagens and Audis, um, but you know our like I said our our objective or our what we wanted to do is really um, bring together both and, and not just those two makes and models, but others. So, you know, it, for those makes and models that are very common or very popular in this area, it becomes even more competitive, right? Because then we're, we have to select from a larger pool of cars. The the standards are maybe even a little bit higher. And, and it, the most challenging part I think is comparing different makes and models, right? You're comparing a Honda Civic to a guy who registers with a Liberty Walk Lamborghini, you know, and you have two totally different totally cars. Different. That's something that people um, just don't understand. Well, yeah, and I mean, there's no, you know, there's no perfect science to it. It, you know, it's um, it, it's a sub, at the end of the day, it's a subjective process, right? We're not having a computer randomly pick you. We, you know, there are humans behind the scenes that are, you know, our team of staff members that we trust and that that have backgrounds in different types of cars and come from different parts of the community that, you know, it's not just five Honda guys that, <laughs> that are all sitting behind the computer saying yes and no to different cars. Um, we all do, we try and put together a team of people that, that do have a diverse background and bring different perspectives to, uh, to the process so that, that we kind of, um, you know, we're not, we don't have tunnel vision. We're not just like, looking for just one type of car gotcha um you may have just answered this question but uh what would what would you say is the hardest part in in the prepping process prepping um i do think the registration is you know is probably one of the hardest um you know there's there's other paperwork and permits and insurance and other things that that need to be done and and that we do have to do um to i think host the event every year and and make sure that you know all of our our eyes are dotted and T's are crossed, and that things are um, you know run, will run smoothly. But I think the registration is um, you know every year we we get different cars. We get um, you know for the most part we've had more cars register every year, so oh, it yeah. becomes even. Yeah, this year you you were telling me has been you know obviously the highest number. Yeah, this year we have had more cars register than we ever have before, and um, but the the size of the event hasn't really 
grown, right? We're still go- we're still hosting the show at the same event, a venue, excuse me. And um, you know, but but narrowing down that pool of cars becomes very challenging and and there are cars that, you know, that are by all means nice cars that that um that would get in if we had the space, obviously. Yeah, or, you know, that um because we get more cars, the the quality standards in some ways that gets increased or raised every year, um, and it becomes you know a little bit more competitive or a little bit um, more challenging to you know to narrow down that pool of cars because the the standard is you know that much higher this year maybe versus last year or a few years ago. So that's something that you know it's hard you know i know other people don't see that side of things and they don't necessarily understand some of the decisions that we make or why maybe their car wasn't picked versus another car um there it's hard to answer those questions because there there's so many variables right i mean we've talked said it a few times already and i don't mean to keep repeating myself but it's you know that the variety is a big part of it so you know you hard to compare you know those those vastly different cars that are and you and you also don't want to have like a handful of the same cars the same exact car or you know the very similar cars that those you know you, you end up really having to kind of split hairs over okay why is why this one versus that one and and we really do spend we spend hours and hours of time you know going back and forth and looking at them and looking at the photos and um, trying to, you know, make as um, an educated, you know, decision as possible. That's why we have the registration process. That's why we, we've created, with the help of um, a friend, you know, we're using a system that, that allows people to upload photos and put in information. So, um, but sometimes we're operating with, with very little information, right? We maybe only have those photos that someone submitted, and so that, yeah, that's it's why up it's, to them. Yeah, yeah, and that in that way, unfortunately, you know, some people don't realize how important it is to, um, you know, put their best foot forward and kind of submitting clear just something. You know, we don't need um, very artistic or even you know necessarily professionally taken. It, it helps. It helps obviously. But but, yeah, yeah. but having just a clear photo that that shows your car well or that you know, shows multiple angles of your car or, you know, not just one side of it. Um, things like, little things like that. I, I know, you know, a lot of people use their phones nowadays to, days to take most of their photos, and I'm guilty of that too, right? I mean, we all have our phones and they have great cameras, and that's fine, honestly. I think plenty of people submit submit their photos that are maybe iPhone photos or, you know, photos from a phone, and um, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, uh, you know, I think it's unfortunate that some people maybe miss you know um, the opportunity to, to show something on their car or a better angle or, of their car um, because they rush the process or they just don't think it's important that they they submit the you know better photos yeah. so. so over the years FCF has gotten the reputation for being very selective just you know like you've mentioned because of the size and how many people apply can you explain to, to people listening that um, like you know a little bit more about the internal process and how it has changed over the years to like what it is today yeah yeah so you know this is our ninth year of things have certainly you know we've we've learned over the years and the process has evolved it's hasn't been this you know the same every year but um i mean 
just to, for perspective, I mean, year one, as I mentioned, right, we only had a little over 100 cars. Um, I think maybe we had, you know, 300 or 400 registrations. So it was still, you know, we were still almost cutting that pool in half or more, um, which was, was difficult. But the first year I was, you know, I was managing it with um, people emailing us and, <laughs> you know, an Excel spreadsheet and pen and paper and printing out a lot of things with people's names and their lists and um, you know and, and back then it was really relying on people just attaching photos to their email and looking at their photos and um, you know it worked we, we obviously we the event came and went and you know I think it was a success and people enjoyed it still but it, it had its you know flaws I mean managing that many emails is is difficult and um, and it's you know, people are like waiting for answers and you maybe miss an email or, you know, there, it, it just, um, isn't the most, uh, it wasn't as organized as we would have liked it. Right. And, and that was just because we didn't know how else to do it. And it was our first it was year. The only, it was what came to mind. I think the, the second, third, and maybe fourth years, we, we teamed up with a friend and developed a, a registration system and where we could actually have people lot, you know, um, visit our website and we created a firstclassfitment.com and people would visit the website and you know similar to how we mentioned they would upload photos and information about their car and then we would receive those and you know behind the scenes uh, myself and other and other you know um, staff members would would look at the registrations and kind of narrow it down from there and then be able to send responses and um, you know I know we've had our issues over the years with People not getting emails and, and that's been a big learning process I think um, there's just so many different types of email different spam filters different um, you know some people don't check their email as frequently <laughs> as others uh, all of those different variables that um, you know we've tried to adapt and work work around or make the process you know as easy as possible but um, essentially you know where we are today is we have um, we have five people, staff members, myself included, that that um, you know, like I said before, come from different backgrounds and have you know, bring different perspectives or different um, you know uh, history, I guess, with them as far as what types of cars they've owned and worked on and and um, know about or have a knowledge of. And uh, we you know we look through the cars and and try and. Um, you know, vote on them and bring, you know, and, and then narrow down the, the pool of registrations from there to which cars are, we'll select for the show. Cool, man. And, uh, and, and, and I'm, I, I, can you like just go into, you know, more detail about how it's like a yes or a no. And then you, we do like the maybe and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, registration, it, we obviously it, it takes some time to, to get everyone to register. It doesn't all happen, you know, in one day. And, we typically have registration open for you know at least four to five weeks, if not if not a little longer. And um, we, uh, sorry, um, we we basically um, you know start to narrow down which we you know we put in our feedback or our votes on cars and start to uh, narrow it down. But it one of the tricky parts of it is. Um, you know, someone might register very early for the event and someone might wait until the last second, but you don't know what cars are coming, right? Just because someone lives around the area or has been to the show before or, you know, maybe even says they're coming, 
we can't really count on those cars until they actually submit a registration and we see it. And that's kind of our, you know, sign that someone's like committed and, and wants to be there and wants to come to the event. And, and that's when we, um, you know, are, are kind of making those decisions and talking about the cars and, and looking back at what other cars registered before them and, and, you know, maybe waiting a little and looking at what else comes in a few days later or a week later and, and to really compare, you know, what the total pool looks like. So when some people register and, um, you know, wait a few weeks, I, I, um, you know, I feel for them. I'm, I appreciate their patience because I know that, you know, I've been on that side of things too, like registering for events with my own personal car and, and waiting for a response. And I understand, you know, it can be frustrating. Um, I guess just know that, you know, behind the scenes of any, whether it's first class fitment or maybe even other events, there's probably a lot of, you know, several people trying to deliberate over, <laughs> you know, all these different cars and, and pick which ones they think will, um, you know, be interesting for people to, you know, spectators to look at and for, you know, that'll help, you know, increase the variety at the show and, and just maybe even something new that people haven't seen before. Um, so, you know, yeah, through that, that deliberation process, we narrow it down and then, um, and then invite, you know, the cars that, uh, that we'd like to have at the show. Yeah. So, obviously we've mentioned that you know the variety of cars plays a big role in the show mm -hmm. can you explain uh, to the people listening what uh, we normally tend to look for when approving a car sure yeah the um, you know again it, every year we receive you know different cars different people register um, cars obviously come and go and people sell cars buy new cars build new cars um, so there's always, you know, there's no two years that are really the same in terms of the pool of registrations that we receive. I'm sure there are cars that, you know, have been to the show more than once or that have registered, you know, multiple years. Or even owners who have like had different cars. Yeah, that's that show. that's happened too. You know, I'm sure there's, I can think of several people off the top of my head that have been to the show before, but have brought several different cars over the years. Um, but, you know, it's... Uh, so I say that just because, you know, the while we're trying to increase the standards and make, you know, raise the bar every year if we can, um, the because the pool is a little bit different every year, then, you know, it, it's you can't really just because maybe you were invited to the show one year, you're not, you know, necessarily a guaranteed, or a guaranteed next, yeah. for the next year because next year we might have um, – you know, more cars that are like yours register than, mm -hmm. than we did the year before. Or maybe, um, you know, something changed on your car from the year the year before. Maybe it was better. Maybe it was worse. I mean, that's that's a subjective thing, right? Or because even more cars just like that one, but have stepped it up even more and leaving like that car. Like, yeah. Yeah, that happens. I think, um, you know, it's it's not to diminish, I think, someone else's work or... You know, again, I we try and um, I know some people take it to heart, and and um, it's not my favorite part of of organizing a car show or an event. It was never, I think, my intent or or any of ours to single people out or or make people feel, you know, um, unwanted, unwanted or not, you know, worthy of whatever, of yeah. making it into a car show. It, it is at the end of the day just a car show. We're just trying to have fun and. And um, 
you know, bring some people together for a fun day at, at the airport every year. But, um, yeah, so I guess, you know, as far as what we're looking for, I think it is, you know, it's, it's varied. It's, um, it's really like an attention to detail. It's a, it's, um, you know, how well is a car maintained? Is it, you know, is it rough around the edges? Is, you know, is the paint in good shape? Is, um, you know, or maybe, maybe the paint is, you know, maybe it's a rat rod and maybe the car is, you know, doesn't have paint at all or it's rusty or, um, so it's hard to say there's like, there isn't like a checklist that we have or even like a, you know, um, an old like judging sheet from a a car show or something where we're adding up points. It's not that straightforward. I think there's a little bit more of, um, you know, a, a personal element to it, I guess, in the sense that we're looking there's a certain style that we tend to gravitate towards, you know, as far as cars that have, you know, back to that fitment piece, there's there's an execution side of it, right? That So you can look at, um, you know, all of these cars and print out their mod lists and look at how, you know, what parts they have on their cars. And, and a lot of them will, you know, they sound great and they look great on paper. Um, they have all the quality part name brand parts. They, you know the the car sounds cool but sometimes that doesn't translate to the actual car in person or in photos um and that comes down to maybe you know that attention to detail i guess that that the execution, execution right? i was so just gonna say that yeah the, you know how do the parts flow together how does you know the car how is the stance of the car so people hear fitment and i think some people, you know, see that in the name of the event and not to their, you know, no fault of their own. They think, okay, this is a stance show. It's all about fitment. That's all I got and I'm be, in, yeah. The car has to be like very aggressive or it has to be pushing the limits in terms of fitment. And, um, you know, that while there are some cars that we have at the show that certainly kind of check that box and fit in that category... I think, in my opinion, there's, you know, and again, this is just me, so I, I'm not the, you know, end-all, be-all. I just run a car show. The, <laughs> the um, Fitment comes in so many different forms, right? So there's, you know, I think in many ways nowadays as we get older and as, you know, some of the cars we grew up with are less and less common or, you know, some guys are restoring them and, and bringing some of these cars back to life that, um, you know, are now 20, 30 plus years old. There's there's like what I would almost consider like period correct fitment, right? Just a tastefully executed car that that is probably lowered but but has a full size tire and is just at a nice functional ride height. Like mm-hmm. some people see those cars at our events and they maybe scratch their heads or question, you know, oh that that has weak fitment or isn't very aggressive, but I think there's something to be said about a tastefully modified car that maybe isn't over the top. It, it you know, and I guess said another way, less is more sometimes, Absolutely, right? Yeah. So, you know, you could have a, a huge list of modifications. You could check all the boxes maybe at some other shows or um, have the, you know, the audio, the interior, the, all the engine bay, the dress-up parts. And... Um, 
But the execution sucks. <laughs> yeah, or you know, and and maybe it doesn't suck, but maybe it's just like not as good. a little over the top, or it's um, you know, not where we think our group of friends and I guess the can I be you know brand when you I know our, our blog isn't up now and <laughs> believe us you know we we've we've heard it all we we get the messages and it's you know it's something that we're not very happy about and hopefully someday we'll, we'll change that and bring it back but another way of saying it is you know if you look back at the years of features that we did for can I be um, from 2009 all the way through I think 2014 2015 I think someone should be able to get a pretty good idea of like the type of cars that we we like and i think one of the other going back to like when we first started with first class fitment one of the you know kind of guiding principles or things that we went into it wanting to do was to showcase the type of cars that we same cars that we feature on our website we wanted to bring those types of cars to together show, to yeah. a show right and obviously some of those cars are you know from california and from others we mentioned other countries so we can't bring everyone together from all around the world, but at least in our corner of the world, in the you know in the Northeast here, we wanted to bring together people of that you know in that niche, in that um, kind of less is more, tastefully modified um, cars, and and some of them you know there's this whole argument over like oh bags and wheels is a build or or just lowering a car and putting wheels on it isn't a build and and. I get that. I, you know, there maybe there isn't much to it again on paper, but um, you know, some of these cars, it, it, while the mod list might not be long, there's a lot of uh, thought and effort put into how the the owner has set up the car and the look that they're going mm -hmm. for. And I, I don't think those people necessarily, um, you know, in the past, like the trend was maybe like. You know, having those like when you, when I think back to some of the early car shows I went to, hot import nights years ago in Atlantic this City, like and you know you've got a the, the cars that were in those types of shows, um, and that we had posters of in our rooms and things like that. They were done top to bottom, and I get it. And there was a lot of work put into to most of those cars in those events, but they were very um, more of like a flashy kind of style, right? And um, whether that was just the times or you know the the styling at the the trends during that period um there there isn't or you know there wasn't back in 2010 when we started many events that catered to these like more simple just tastefully modified cars so that's kind of the venue that we wanted to provide for people so dude on the topic of trends there seems to be like trends every year obviously and you see them i see them everyone sees them but i think we see them more because we're we have the ability to see all the cars that register for a show. Sure. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, sure. What what has been your favorite trend over the years? Favorite. Um, I don't know about favorite. I guess I mean. I do think there's been because the, you know this whole um, stance and fitment you know uh, trend is has grown over the years. I think there is more attention to um, to the wheels and tire fitment and ride height and how those all, all three of those things kind of work together. Um, so I enjoy that piece of it and seeing how people kind of, you know, you could have two of the same cars and, you know, 
again on paper maybe they even have the same wheels but like how someone like just the littlest details like the slightest change in ride height or tire size or you know camber and alignment specs like all those little things are what like kind of really separates one car from the next for me Mm -hmm. and um seeing that attention to detail become more you know more common i think in our community i think i i enjoy that um but as far as other trends i mean obviously um people continue to push the limits in terms of you know aggressive wheel fitment and we we do see that every year and i think it's you know gotten progressively more and more um you know crazy (laughs) for lack of a better term i mean it's uh people really you know trying to explore new possibilities in terms of how how far they can push it with the wheels and and uh, alignment specs and tire sizes and stretching tires and playing with different sizes and uh i can you know in many ways i you know i enjoy all different types of cars and i can appreciate like again the effort that goes into some of them but um you know part of me is also practical and and uh i guess questions you know how enjoyable driving a car like that might be or um in some of these cars how they're even driven it, right, it's yeah. amazing but um so that's a big one you know we see that year over year and and um and then i guess you know other little things like certain accessories or things become popular this year the um the roof boxes is, are a big one you yeah. know and uh for whatever reason on you know multiple different types of cars people are doing the roof racks again and and roof boxes now and probably a few years ago you know people were doing bike racks or you know baskets and things like that or or other accessories um but you know those trends kind of not come and go but you know certain things become popular in the next year like people won't be running roof racks or, you know, the It'll, there'll be another crazy thing that goes. Yeah. Through. So I think, you know, people try all different things. I mean, um, you know, vinyl, vinyls come a long way over the past several years. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think the material, you know, I, I'm not an expert and I don't, you know, I've never owned a vinyl wrapped car or had any real vinyl work done to my cars. But from what I've seen and from friends that, that have had experience with that, it seems like, you know the materials are getting better and and maybe more affordable or there's more people out there that are doing that type of work um and you know it's a i think while it's it's not something that i've necessarily considered doing to my own car um i think it's cool to see the technology get better and, oh and it's and, def- and it's it's crazy how much it has advanced since we've started the show just yeah the- yeah exactly you know if you look back in 2010 there maybe there were people you know vinyl wrapping their roofs black and you know or doing small pieces um just accessories you know but i can't even think of a car that maybe was vinyl wrapped back then the, the entire car and um you know now it, it's much more common and I think just like anything whether it's paint or you know or vinyl there's a certain you know level of quality and and you know there there's certainly some vinyl jobs that maybe are you know not not up to par or that show their flaws and you know and and someone um cut some corners or you know you see the vinyl on the edges and it, it's you know little things like that that stand out that that maybe um don't look so great but the same can be said about paint, right? Absolutely, I mean, how many yeah. cars have you seen that, you know, have horrible paint jobs or, you know, that that have um, 
orange peel or you know imperfections and um so you know that there can be i'll never forget we had a car at fcf a few years ago and it was a an early volkswagen rabbit mark one and i'll be completely honest i i thought it was painted and it wasn't until after the event that someone had mentioned that it was vinyl wrapped and um and that i looked a little you know more took some time and looked at it more closely because the day of the event i'm running around and i'm handling so many different things i don't unfortunately get to look at all of the cars very closely and spend time at every one and um but once i finally looked at it a little bit more closely i realized it was wrapped and that someone you know spent a lot obviously a lot of time and, and energy making sure that it was um you know done to a very high standard to the point where you know i, I couldn't even tell that's so wild yeah <laughs> so i mean i think you know when someone when someone does that and um puts the effort into it to do it right then um you know that's that's really cool and yeah it goes a long way too yeah and i think it, you know we'll continue to see that over the years i'm sure that technology will continue to improve and you know it's a cool um cool option for people to consider that want to change the color of the car or they're going back and forth on it um yeah cool um do you have any tips for future applicants yeah, I mean, we touched on the photos. Um, I think that's that's a big one because you know if you take a step back and you you know maybe p- try and put yourselves in in our shoes as far as you know can I beat in the staff and and really anyone who's you know on the receiving end of of your email or your registration um, for any show really it, that requires you know a registration is if you can just you know try try your best to um, you know showcase your car right if if you wanted to um, show the best angles or the best, you know, perspective of your car, right? This is this is your opportunity to kind of um, showcase it for people, and and um, I think you know just keep in mind or don't don't assume that you know the people that are looking at your car just that they know your car already and that they've seen it before. Maybe yeah, you know, just someone, because yeah. you have a huge following on Instagram or that, you know, you run a business or something else, um, you know, as, as much as we try and stay active and up to date and, you know, in terms of the car culture and, and people's cars that are out there, um, there's always people that, you know, we haven't seen and cars that we've never seen in person before, maybe that are coming from, you know, other states or farther away that we've just, for whatever reason, we've never crossed paths, right? And, so those are the ones where all we have to go by are are your photos or, you know, if we, we have added um, in the past few years like a feature where someone can put in their Instagram account because that's so popular nowadays and, you know, people share so many of their photos and their cars on their Instagrams, um, that can be helpful too, right? Because I know five photos isn't a lot to really showcase an entire car. But, you know, if you also provide your Instagram, we can... That's what we use that for, right? Yeah, we'll just it's, like peek real quick. We can look and, you know, maybe see some other photos and or if you've, you know, kind of go back and see how the cars evolved or um, just different angles that maybe we couldn't see in some of the photos you uploaded to your registration. So that's very helpful. And then um, and then just, you know, we give people really a, a free text box to kind of share any information about their car. And I'd say there's a, a balance there, right? Some people... Um, 
put a ton of information in there and in maybe in some ways it's a little too much you know or like they get into every every little detail down to like you know their light bulbs and little pieces of hardware or things that maybe while they you know while they're nice to know it's um you know when we're going through hundreds and hundreds of registrations it can be helpful to just focus on like the the key items you know and and uh, the most important things or at least start with those important things and then if you really want to add in some of the other small details then that's fine but my rule of thumb is always just to kind of cover like the things that maybe like people can't see in the photos or that aren't obvious that um, maybe someone wouldn't know like if you have some rare piece or part that like came from you know um, overseas or from the Japanese it's good to or mention European that. Yeah. equivalent of your car or if you've done some type of conversion or upgraded something um, you know pieces like your suspension and parts that you don't see right um, then you know mention those things so try and keep it short and sweet but don't you know don't just um, leave that blank either you know that that doesn't if you leave it blank or you put very basic you know wheels coil wheels suspension and and um, you know and body kit or, or bumper or whatever the you know very vague yeah. then then we have to kind of make assumptions or right. look. and then they're selling themselves short they can be yeah, yeah. unfortunately you know it in some cases, there are cars that, you know, it, we maybe do know because they we've seen them before or they've been to the show before. But even the ones that we've, you know, have been before, um, it's it's helpful to, you know, share some of those those details that, that some of our staff members that are involved in the review process or in the registration process, they might not be as, you know, they might know me or they might know you, but that doesn't you know, the, the other staff members that are involved in the process might not know those things. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it, just because you're a friend of ours or because you, um, you know, have been to the show before, um, I'd say just don't rush the process and just, you know, take a few minutes out of your day to try and, you know, put a little bit of information in there. Yeah, because that goes a long way. Yep. Those are good tip. Those are good tips for uh, applicants. On the flip side of things, what are your tips for anyone looking to start doing their own shows? Yeah, um, I think, you know, you just have to start with a vision or a plan and, and you really have to want to, um, you know, you have to have kind of a goal in mind or a vision of like, what, what do you want the event to be? You know, never mind the name. I mean, that, that can be important, obviously, but, but what are you trying to accomplish, right? Are you, you know, we talked about it a little bit before, but are you, you know, are you interested in just bringing together as many people and as many cars as possible? Or are you just, you know, catering to a specific, you know, niche or, or make and model of car and you want to, you know, there isn't already a show in your area or um, that, that caters to that group of people? Because um, depending on what you're trying to do or what your vision is, you know, kind of changes maybe the venue, um, the, you know, your target audience obviously changes, right? And and who you're trying to market to and who you want to come to the event. So all of those things, um, you know, are important to, uh, I think, at least starting the process of maybe organizing your own event. And then, you know, I guess aside from that, uh, you know, talk to people. I, no one person can really, I guess, organize an event on their own. I mean, sure, I'm, I'm sure there are people out there that do, you know, 
do a lot of the heavy lifting for some. But events. they always have help from they, yeah, yeah, they always yeah. have friends. They always have family. And as much of the planning that you can do before an event, um, maybe by yourself, or you can try and do everything on your own. But when that event comes around and the day shows up for your show, you you can't do everything on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if you have hundreds or thousands of people, um, you you need a good staff, a good you know, you need your friends and family. Um, or you need to hire people that that know what they're doing or can help, and um, you know. So if you try and do everything on your own, in my experience, it, I don't think it works. You know, mm. and and you really do have to know how to kind of maybe delegate and and work with a team of people that to try and you know all accomplish a common goal or you know a vision of, for an event that you have. Um, so you know, and then we've all been to to meets and shows that you know weren't. Um, you know, maybe got cut short because they, you know, a meet and someone does a burnout or, you know, <laughs> and, or God. someone does something reckless or maybe just it wasn't permitted and, and we didn't, you know, they didn't have permission to um, to have the event. All those little things, I think, go a long way. You know, they're, when you make sure you have a permit or you have permission to use a property or a venue, those are kind of the very basic things, obviously. And some people might say, oh, that's common sense. But but how many of those thrown together events have we all been to as car guys that that where those things were overlooked or like someone said, oh, we're just going to wing it and we're all going to like, you know, put an event out there on Facebook <laughs> or wherever, Instagram. And, um, you know, the those events, unfortunately, sometimes like, you know, either they work for a short amount of time and then they just outgrow the space or they get too big to manage. Um, so, you know, trying to do the homework up front and, and planning to like make sure things are, you know, um, permitted and, and, uh, well organized, I think all go to hopefully organize, you know, running a smooth event that people, you know, enjoy. Cool. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the past. What year has been your favorite and why for first class fitment? That's tough. I mean, you know, it's, um, Every year has been a little bit different, and we had different weather over the years. We've had cold days, warm days, <laughs> rain, um, very windy, cold days. So, you know, and, and then obviously, we, like we've touched on before, just different cars every year, right? And the size it grew a little and has now kind of leveled out over the past few years. And we're, you know, think using the space well at the airport. Um, so it's hard to pick a favorite. I mean, every year there's different memories, different people. They've all been good in like their own ways. Yeah. yeah, you know, we've done different awards over the years and, you know, worked with different companies and, and had different vendors and sponsors that have helped us out or contributed in different ways. So, you know, the first year obviously is very memorable because it was like this, just this, this unknown, right? Like. You, you've spent, we spent months, you know, kind of planning this event, our first event. We didn't know what we were doing with a lot of the things that we, we were doing and learning as we went. And then the, that day came and it was like, you just hope that people show up, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you don't know if like anyone's going to come, yeah, right? The first show year, you're like, man, are people going to come? <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's a huge, and every year that's a factor, right? You, you, you hope that, you know, people had fun in years past now that we've done it, you know, for several years, but you don't know that, you know, and, and every year diff- different things come up. People are at different stages in their lives. People, you know, come and go from the car community. People have families and other obligations. So, um, 
I, the first year was definitely very memorable, and I'll, I'll never forget that. But I think one of the other years that really stands out in my mind is um, was 2016. Yes, 2016. <laughs> and it was, um, it was special because we had... Um, we did something a little bit different where we organized kind of a showcase within the show for um, rotary cars for Mazdas and, and really the RX-7 platform. And uh, that came from um, some of our friends and people that I met in, in my travels and going to different car shows in Texas. And um, several guys um, from that Texas uh, you know, RX-7 community most of them based in Houston, and you know, so shout out to the the guys from the Final Form crew, and um, and those you know, but a great group of guys, very cool cars. They were nice enough and and you know passionate enough about it to um, to make the long trip up from Houston to New Jersey for the show, and um, and not only that, you know, help kind of bring together other guys from the lo- more local area in New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, and even you know farther north and south um, to come out and showcase their RX-7. So, you know, I, I've never owned an RX-7. Uh, don't know if I ever will, but <laughs> I've always loved those cars. And, um, and it, you know, I thought it was, it was cool to be able to kind of um, bring together, you know, not only the larger group of cars for the event that, that year, but also just, um, you know this the special group of rx7s and have them we try to mix up the cars within the show as far as parking is concerned so we it's not you know typical event in some ways where you'll see like all of the hondas or all of the volkswagens or all of the civics or whatever the car is like lined up in a group we try and um you know mix them up together and so this was kind of an exception to that where we kind of lined up all of the rx7s in in a row and it was it was cool to see that, and um, super special. We, we did a you know a special award for them that year, where it was you know our favorite rotary car, and part of that showcase. And so, um, yeah, that year was was definitely you know a unique year where we things kind of just came together, and we had the support of friends in that you know small RX seven community, and and they all kind of came together to you know see cars from multiple states that you know. These guys have been friends online for years yeah, and talked yeah. online, you know, to each other, but never met in person or never their cars would never otherwise have crossed paths and been in the same place at the same time. So that would that was a special year for me. Cool, man. What about uh, favorite build in the past? Oh wow, I know that's probably a tough. One. Yeah, that is tough. I mean, because um, there's like my personal, you know, I guess cars that I've I've liked or that have stuck out and. And then there's ones that obviously we recognize with awards and for different categories um, each year. Um, favorite build that, you know, we've had some memorable years with cars also that, that were some of my favorites that maybe didn't, get didn't win an award, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you know, we have a handful of awards, but we try and keep it kind of limited to, you know, best of categories. So there's really only kind of one award for each, you know, genre. And we don't, we don't have them broken down by manufacturer or model. So it's just the best, best JDM, best you know uh, Euro, and and so they're pretty large categories. So it, it is challenging to pick a you know just one car for each of those. But um, when I think back, I guess um, favorite cars. Jeez, 
I don't know. I guess one car that really stood out to me, um, which actually did win Best of Show one year, and I believe it was 2015, possibly 2014. My years are, are starting to <laughs> so many of blur them. together a little. Um, sometimes I have to go back and, and look on my photos or look online to, to remind myself. But it was um, it was a guy named Rick um, who's from New Jersey who has a, an E30 M3 that um, that was built primarily by AMS Auto Works uh, in New Jersey also. And it was just one of these long-term builds that had really been going, gone over from top to bottom and, um, you know, kind of restored, but then also had some very subtle modifications to the body and, and other rare, you know, European pieces that, um, that if you didn't know what you were looking at, you would just walk by or just think it's, you know, maybe any old, you know, not that any 30 M3 is already <laughs> pretty special in its own right, but this one had kind of some of those unique touches that, um, that really stood out to me. And, um, you know, it was one of those cars that personally, like I, I really enjoyed. Um, but there's, I could go on and so on. There's a lot of other them, memorable yeah. cars that, um, that I've been really, you know, excited to see at the event, you know, in, in all categories, really, I'd have to almost go by yeah. category by category. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the automotive scene since, since, uh, we've been doing, uh, first class event for, you know, as we've said before, for almost 10 years now, how do you feel the car scene has changed since the beginning up until now? Yeah. Um, I do think there's, you know, we said early on, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to have First Class Women is to kind of bring together a variety of people from different genres of cars. And and I do think there are more events out there now that are catering to like a, a variety of different makes and models. Um, so, that I, I, you know, that's been very positive and I think um, has made things a little bit more open or broken down some of those like boundaries between oh, you like Euro cars, so that means you have to, like, hate Japanese cars or something, you know, and I'm not saying everyone was like that, and, um, but, you know, I, when I first started, uh, when early, in the early days, I guess, of Can I Beat, I did personally feel like, at least amongst the younger crowd that we were a part of, that there were some of those boundaries between different communities within the car yeah. culture. And, it's crazy how that's been, like, broken since then. Yeah, and I, you know, some people like that, and others, you know, aren't, for other, for maybe multiple reasons, you know, or, or just, um, I don't know, uh, aren't as, you know, happy or excited about the fact that certain events are kind of mixed and mm -hmm. have multiple genres of cars. Um, I personally, you know, tend to like that as just, you know, getting to see different people and different cars. But as far as other trends go, I mean, I do think, you know, social media has changed a lot of things, right? Um, you know, Things have certainly evolved. I mean, when we first started, Can I Beat Instagram didn't even exist. Yeah. Um, it's hard to imagine that now, right? Because it's such a big, uh, big part of our lives. big part of the community and people sharing their cars and photos and you know just yeah, people are on it all, all the time now. So um, that certainly changed things. Sometimes I think for the better and and sometimes for the worse. I mean, I think it it allows for people to interact and to connect with people from all over the world and and almost like you know see that instantaneous coverage of an event or a car as it's being built and you know it, it, things have certainly evolved from like the days of forums where you would you know share progress on a build like in a on a forum and upload photos to photo bucket or <laughs> Flickr and you know that those 
things where you would get kind of the, the updates much less frequently and um to now on instagram you can kind of follow like the progress of a build or, or live coverage from an event you know as it happens and um I think I think those things are great, and I mean that's kind of the positive side of um, you know the social media platform in general. But then there's this side of kind of like a you know attention seeking and and people um, wanting to just get as much attention or you know as many followers or people you know commenting on their posts as they can, and some people. <laughs> you know unfortunately i think go to like great lengths to to do that um and it becomes a little less about the cars themselves more about the people like in the community and making friends and you know good vibes and just having a good time and having fun with it and and more about you know kind of like look at me look at me um what i'm doing over here is you know cooler than this guy or comparing people to you know to other people that are out there and um people that you've never even met you know mm-hmm. you're you're just basing your opinion and judging people based on you know a an instagram page or profile and um i think you can kind of get in trouble when you just start making assumptions and judging people based on you know um, a social media page or right. or um you know how they portray their themselves or their lives like yeah. on social media because it can be very filtered, right? You can you can paint this pretty picture and or you know show just one side of a story or or your car and um, and then people perceive you a certain way. But yeah, I just think you know it's it's human nature, unfortunately, in some ways for you know to try and um, you know as far as getting the you know caring more about I guess the followers and for some people that that's important, but um, you know, I think if the people who are less concerned with that and uh, more concerned with just, you know, having fun with their cars and the, their friends that enjoy cars and, and hopefully bringing something positive to the community and, and good energy and good, you know, um, attitude yeah. to, to things. I think that's, you know, being able to spread that like in, with social media is, is great when you use that tool and that platform in a positive way but when you're doing it just to like you know um try and get the attention and maybe stir the pot or you know um piss people off or whatever the case is like when you have those ulterior motives or maybe questionable motives then that's um where you know things have kind of gone south i think in yeah. some ways speaking of like things going south do you feel like the lashback towards people not getting into the show has gotten like worse over the years and how do you like normally tend to handle that um i i don't think it's gotten worse necessarily i mean i do think social again the social media has changed things a little right i mean like we said we were managing things via email the first year instagram didn't even exist so people didn't necessarily have a platform to really lash out or or maybe share their thoughts or you know opinions of the show and you know voice their um you know distaste with like not being selected or not getting invited to the show um now obviously there's there's twitter instagram you know all these and facebook obviously and multiple platforms really for people to do that and um you know everyone's entitled to their opinion right we just we're just a group of a few guys who 
decided we wanted to host a, a car event because we, we enjoy cars and we wanted to bring people together um, to kind of you know celebrate our love for cars and wrap up our, our season at the end of the year. And it's become a tradition, and we've just continued to try and do that every you know, year over year. And and um, you know, unfortunately, because of that selective process, there there are people that um, you know will get upset, and and it, it does happen every year. And some people, um, you know, I think take it well or take you know take it in stride and still come out to the event, and maybe even if their car wasn't selected, and still come out and have a good time and and I really appreciate that because, I mean, I think it it says a lot about the people that, you know, and, and I think um, the effort that we put into the show that they still want to be a part of it and come out and, and enjoy it with their and friends. And also see, like, what it's all about as well. Yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, I, you know, I know people when, if they're not, a, you know, selected for the show and, and we, you know, say, we hope you can still make it or we hope you can come out to the show still and check it out that has nothing to do with like making money or, or trying to sell a ticket um you know in fact like last year we started trying to give people discounts or coupon codes mm-hmm. for their spectator tickets if they if they registered their car and they were not selected because i really do want people to come out and experience it and be a part of it and and you know more people to enjoy that um and yeah, and I think unless they do come out and see it, they, they don't necessarily understand the, you know, what it is we're trying to do and mm-hmm. maybe what it is that um, makes the event a little bit different than other events or that, and, you know, and there, there's an event out there for everyone, right? And, and I'm not saying ours is perfect or that it's the best or that it's, um, you know, a super special it it's special to me and our friends and our family and and a lot of people I think that have you know come out over the years have enjoyed it which you know is what keeps us doing it every year um but you know some people like different styles of cars and or um you know just are part of a different group of friends and and so that's fine I mean there's 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 plenty of other events out there that maybe they enjoy more or cater to them more and and I think that's where it's like, you know, there's that's there's room for plenty of events, right? Yeah. So, re, so earlier this year, we, we recently visited Southern California together, and we got to experience Lufka Kilt 5, which was a really awesome show. Yeah. And for me personally, like, it really opened up my eyes to how important, like, a location is for a car show. Sure. How, do, how important do you feel Princeton Airport is the first-class shipment and, like, its vibes? Yeah, I think... Um, I think it's very important you know i i don't know i guess um it's it's one of those things where it it's certainly changed my perspective i think uh, i mean i going into it i think you know as a someone who's into photography and you know as a photographer when i think of when i'm going to shoot a car or an event um you know or if i put myself in the shoes of maybe even i'm you know i'm fashion photographer model photographer you know, they say like location, 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 right? Like it, that can really change the feel of, of any event, any shoot, you know, and, and really paints a different picture, I guess, as far as like the backdrop for a, for a photo shoot or so when, when we go to events that are, um, you know, 
just in a parking lot or um, at a you know a stadium or indoors or you know some of them the more common type of venues or drag strips those kinds of things um i think you know that those have all been staples within the kind of car show community for years and and they will be for years there's there's a reason for it right i mean the whether it's just the sheer number of the amount of space or you know again the backdrop i mean you, you know if you want to have an event with racing then then you've got to be at a track or a, a you know a drag strip and um, so if you want to do those motorsports type of events, then those those venues are that's the type of place you need to be. Um, we you know we wanted to go more towards obviously that just the show and and we try and incorporate other you know forms of entertainment or other elements in the event than just the cars, but we wanted to provide um, that unique backdrop for not only photos and coverage but for people to enjoy while they're at the event and um you know we people say oh why don't you find a different excuse me different event or different venue something that has more room and um you know while i understand where they're coming from um i think if we tried to pick up the event and move it to a different location just because we wanted to fit more cars and more people, that's not what we're trying to do. <laughs> it wouldn't be the same, right? Yeah. It, you know, it, it would, um, that's, that's that unique piece of Princeton airport that it provides that kind of atmosphere and the, the planes taking off in the background and the helicopter rides and, you know, p- people just that are customers at the airport kind of wrenching on their planes or helicopters in their hangars and hanging out and, um, you don't it'd be hard for us to get that somewhere else and even if we you know i'm not so convinced that if we um you know we've talked about this me you (laughs) and roy like what if we went to another airport would it even be the same and i don't i don't know that it would right Mm -hmm. i mean it we're fortunate enough that like we have um you know an owner and a family at you know the nirenberg family at the princeton airport that um trust us they 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 enjoy having us they they um you know appreciate that we respect the property that people are generally you know respectful and and don't um you know we have knock on wood haven't had you know any incidents and over the years and we've been well-behaved kind of groups you know and from an owner or property owner's perspective or venue owner that's huge yeah so um I think yeah. In short, I mean the the venue is very very important, um, and that's you know it's a special place for us. I mean it's it's one of those things. I drove by it every day to and from work. Never thought anything of it, but until you um, kind of take a closer look at a place or um, you know explore the possibilities of a venue, then um, you know you you don't know what it could be. Yeah, man. And it's a pretty special place too, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So FCF has quite a bit of entertainment uh, throughout the day. Uh, can you quickly just tell people who, who who don't know just a little bit about what they can expect, like from an entertainment, uh, you know, point of view? Yeah, yeah. So that's you know something that's evolved over the years, and we've tried to change things up or add different forms of um, entertainment. You know, recognizing that we've all been to shows where, you know, you you bring your car or you come as a spectator and, um, you know, you take a lap or two and check out all the cars and, you know, maybe that takes you an hour or two and then, then what, you know, what do I do for the rest of the day? My car's here or, you know, my friends are here. And, um, so we've tried to add a few different things, you know, to, to hopefully, um, 
provide a little bit of entertainment and, and help, you know, um, keep people engaged throughout the day and, and have fun. So, um, you know, we, I think one of the first things we did was the whole RC car drift thing, you know, and that kind of goes hand in hand just with, you know, cars in general. And, um, a lot of, you know, we have obviously several people that, um, that whether they bring their show car to the show and are into RC cars, or maybe it's just another, another opportunity for people to get involved in the show that maybe they don't have a show car, but they're into RC cars and they want to come be a part of the event. Then we, you know, because we have the hangers at the event and we have access to some of the, that space, um, we thought it would be cool to, you know, set up a little RC drift area for people to, um, to have fun and, you know, not, it doesn't get very serious or competitive, but it's, it's more of like an exhibition for people to, you know, I mean, anyone from like a young kid who's just kind of getting into it to, you know, an older guy who's maybe a little more serious, um, about the RC thing to kind of just have fun. And, um, you know, and that varies year over year how many people we get, but we have that piece of, you know, the, the show yep. and then, um, and we you know plan to continue to do that. And then this year, actually we have, um, we put together an award for our favorite RC car to kind of get those guys a little bit more involved. So in the past we have, you know, we've had them there and we've had the RC drifting and, and all that, but we haven't really acknowledged some of those guys and the, the work that they put into like their cars and the styling. Some of them have really um put a lot of effort into it so we want to recognize someone someone there and then um a few years back um we started doing um a b-boy battle so you know it i mean for us it's a lot more than just cars right i mean there's a lot of other pieces to the car community that that we're you know a part of um you know and and the b-boy culture kind of goes hand in hand with a lot of guys who are into cars and and into like streetwear and you know clothing and sneakers and so there's there's kind of that's where like the different you know communities kind of blend together and I think that's you know something that we enjoy um so you know we have multiple DJs set up throughout the show and we've done that for years and then we thought oh instead of just having like this DJ here playing music on one side of the show let's let's do a b-boy battle so we've worked with um Bill and Brian with from 360 Flava and they're they're a local b-boy group from Philadelphia and uh, neighboring areas that um, have come out the past several years and and kind of helped us organize a b-boy battle b-boy b-girl battle and um, yeah we get some other people involved again and just you know some people that maybe aren't even into cars per se but you know and they kind of come out and see what the show's all about so that that's fun and um yeah, I think the other one other thing that that's a little bit unique and that we try and do is um, because we're at the airport is uh, we now offer helicopter rides. So um, there is a, a helicopter business that's operated out of out of the Princeton Airport, and um, you know they've been there for years, and and we didn't you know they come and go throughout the day sometimes at the event, and um, the first several years we didn't really. I didn't think much of it, right, or even necessarily entertain the idea of, of offering rides. But um, a few years back, we started doing it, and and it um, has been popular. You know, yeah. I think people enjoy it. It's kind of a unique opportunity to see the show from a different perspective. Maybe you know, ride in a helicopter if you've never ridden in one before. Um, you know, it's not every day you, that people, I guess, get that opportunity, and so we, you know, we try and do that every year, and um, and. 
again continue to doing for this yeah. year. And then we also obviously have like the, the the DJ setup, which is like really cool. Yeah, yeah. We you know our friend Jimmy and um, and Josh and some of those guys that um, that have come for years now um, as DJs. They um, they do a great job. You know they mix it up every year and kind of change their setups, but. Um, you know, they try and set up a projector screen some years and show videos and photos from previous years. And they, um, yeah, they, they do a lot of cool stuff um, with multiple DJs playing at the same time throughout their show to try and, um, you know, keep the energy up. Otherwise, it can get a little a little quiet maybe in certain parts of the show. or um, Yeah, so th- they, they've done a great job and, you know, we'll have them as back yeah. again this year cool man and then we also have the like wear your heat thing this year which is pretty cool yeah so i forgot to mention that? that so i did touch on you know the whole sneaker thing briefly there but um you know a lot of a lot of us and personally and then you know our friends and other guys that are part of the the car community and that come out for the show um are are into sneakers and you know sneaker culture and and um so, you know, we recognize that and we see it every year. A lot of guys, you know, wear cool sneakers and, and different styles. And um, we just thought it'd be another way to get not only the show car owners involved, but also our spectators and our fans. Um, you know, there aren't at a car show, especially when we're, you know, picking the cars that are invited to the show. We we recognize that we want to try and find ways to get, you know, our fans and, and spectators like involved and to participate and so we're doing this cool sneaker heat thing with um, with the guys from the b-boy group from 360 Flava. they uh, they're also into sneakers and and they have a few guys that are gonna help us kind of walk around throughout the show pick out you know a hand, three to five people throughout the day um, that have you know some cool sneakers on whether it's you know something newer and and um, more limited you know from from more recent releases to something vintage and kind of yeah. you know rare or old new old stock kind of thing um we're just you know encouraging people to to wear their heat and and wear <laughs> um you know wear their kicks as opposed to maybe just keeping them you know locked up in the closet and and they're not wearing them and then there's like a prize for it which is cool yeah we're gonna do just a hundred dollar cash prize i know it's not you know not much but um you know we thought it'd be a cool way to again just get people involved and you know maybe someone goes home with a hundred bucks in their pocket yeah man awesome so We've been blessed over the years to have such a a wide variety of like talented artists cover the event for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we we it's always fortunate to have people like you know just to name a few people like Crispy and Anthony Halcyon and Mike Cozio and Chris Sempeck and yeah. Sebastian Rodriguez and you know like even cup companies like USTM Freaks and Super Street, just to name a few, have come out and and it's it's always cool to see people's coverage and stuff. Yeah. Um, how important do you feel like good media is to a show? And then to add on to that, um, what 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 do what do we normally tend to look for as as, as far as like somebody who gets a media credential, sure. and, and and you know what are basically like what are our expectations for media, pretty much? Yeah, no, I mean I I share the same feelings as far as you know we we have been very fortunate to have um, a lot of different people you know come out over the years and. Some of them have come year over year, and you know we really appreciate that. Continue to support to kind of you know showcase the uh, the show and with their perspective and photos or video. And then you know, and we've also had some people that have made long trips to come just maybe once, and and you know 
they came to see check out what the event was all about for a year um and i you know i feel very i know i've had people come and stay at my own house and <laughs> you know we've had um like you mentioned usdm freaks and ryo and those guys have actually flown to the u.s from japan um which you know is still just mind-boggling to me in some ways you know I, I hope um i really hope someday that we're fortunate enough to you know make the trip to japan and and see what the car culture is like for ourselves in person and you know hopefully maybe attend an event there or um you know see the the culture i guess in the car community there but um yeah i you know it simply put i think media coverage is very important i think um you know to help spread the awareness of the show and and um share with people from you know other parts of the country or other states that maybe are you know, a little further away that wouldn't normally make the trip to a show in New Jersey. Maybe, you know, when they see a, a video or someone's photo coverage. They'll sell them. Um, yeah, it gives them a better feel for what the show's all about and what it looks like and what's going on and the people and the crowd. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I mentioned earlier, it's not easy capturing kind of the vibe and the atmosphere of an event in a photo or a video, but, but because we have so many talented people come out each year to, kind of document the event in photos and video and share that with their audiences that, um, you know, helps. It, it's not only, I, you know, I find myself looking back all the time at old photos from people and videos, and it's kind of um, cool to see, you know, as, a, as the organizer, how the show's evolved and how the years have been different year over year, but also, um, yeah, just to even read people's comments and see what people thought and, you know that that's um very rewarding for me i guess to see that people are willing to um and excited you know in many cases to make the trip out to to do that i you know being uh, kind of a photographer myself i i know you know how much work can go into um you know taking the photos and running around all day and then spending time after the event prop you know editing them and putting together them or maybe doing a write-up like right some of our friends um you know that that do blog features on the event um that takes a lot of time and and thought and um you know i i think i i really appreciate it um and i think it's you know an important piece of of the show mm -hmm. Um, I know we we tend to do it like a little bit different than other shows, but yeah. what what what, what right. yeah, what, yeah. Like what we're looking what for, we're looking so. for yeah. sorry yeah. no so, no it's all good dude um yeah that I mean it's um you know I think it's a combination of at its core you know we're looking for for people that are hopefully covering the event for maybe a, a media outlet or um, you know a, a well established um, online outlet so maybe uh you know a blog or um you know some type of website and then there's also vendors and and sponsors that maybe have someone that comes to the event that's covering it for them or for their you know media outlets as well that we have to recognize um so there's kind of a mix or a balance there of people that you know are on assignment if you will and shooting for a media publication like you mentioned super street or we've had fast car in the uk and usdm freaks in japan those types of outlets and then there are people you know that that um especially nowadays when we don't have as many magazines around or there are um 
you know, fewer maybe blogs. They're not necessarily as popular as, as they were several years ago um, that are shooting but for themselves. And, and that's where it gets a little tricky because... I agree, yeah. You know, we love to see photo coverage of our event, obviously, and we want to share that with people and we want you guys as photographers and videographers to share that with your audiences. But, you know, you've saw it this year for, for maybe the first time uh, managing the media registrations and um you know we get a lot of just like the cars we get a lot of registrations for media credentials and and um we have to kind of know where to draw the line i guess in terms of not only not just so much the number of people but really like the the quality and the you know the um type of work or quality of work that that someone's producing so we, we look at people's portfolios and you know and we look at their their social media outlets and get a feel for you know their following and engagement with their audience and you know how frequently are they posting is this like you know someone who goes to events every weekend and and that's their thing and they have a following for event coverage or is it someone who just you know is a good photographer but but it's just coming to take photos for themselves. And, and I'll be honest, sometimes we don't ever see the photos right. from, from some people that yeah. have come out before. And that's tough because, you know, we are, we are giving this person, you know, um, not only free access, which, you know, that's one thing, but then we're letting them in the show early and, and or stay late. And, and um, you know, when we're setting up and staging the event, it tends to be easier with fewer people around. So when you add all these media people into the mix, that can kind of slow things down sometimes or maybe um, take away from, like, the, the setup of the event. Yeah. So, you know, we take all those things into consideration. And unfortunately, like, we can't grant media credentials to everyone. You know, I think if we granted them this year, we probably would have had, like, almost 100 people with media credentials. Um, that, that, unfortunately, that's just too many people that um you know would be there early in the morning or late at night and and um you know we have to kind of narrow that pool down to people in you know both photo video and and take into account you know their previous body of work have they covered the event for us before are they shooting for someone on assignment all of those things and kind of make some decisions on who we'd like to see you know and who we think will provide the best quality coverage yeah i sometimes didn't feel like it's it, it's not it's obviously not as tough as like picking the cars but it's yeah. pretty pretty damn close just because there's so yeah. many people doing that yeah yeah and i'm we encourage people to you know even again like just like someone who registers their car and maybe isn't selected for the show um we we encourage those people to come out and you know maybe if they registered for media and they um you know weren't selected or given credentials to get in for free still come out and I, I know that's easier said than done you know and it's um people get turned off when they're not you know approved for a media credential but um you know i, I do having applied for media credentials for other larger or more well-established events and motorsports events i think that um you know we're pretty laid back compared to some of these other oh, events I mean, there's some people who who require like a letter of intent yeah and exactly all this and i don't stuff. think some of these guys realize that that um you know if you want to shoot at a you know a well-established motorsport event or um 
you know, larger car show, like, you know, if you want to start talking about some of these industry type events, right, like SEMA or going to the New York Auto Show or covering a Formula Drift event, then, you know, there's, there's more, there's higher expectations with those types of events. And I'm not necessarily comparing our event to those larger scale, like more corporate events, but you know, what I am saying is actually, I think our standards are, we're still looking for quality people, but we're actually requiring less of those people. It's a lot more laid back to register. Like like you said, I mean, if you register for um, a formula drift media credential, then they're looking for a letter of intent. You're expected to follow up and provide links to your stories or your photo coverage or print media and excerpts from a magazine. Those are things that they, they expect to see from a photographer or a videographer after each round of Formula Drift. And, um, you know, we as much as we want to see that coverage from First Class <laughs> Fitment, we don't chase after you and demand to see your work. And we recognize that we're not paying you to, for most, you know, unless it's a staff member or someone that, that we are hiring. Most of these people are there and, and kind of doing it because they love doing it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just... <laughs> so moving on now, let's talk a little bit about about the layout. So it's it's changed over the years, and I personally myself remember all the years just based on like where we have put our booth. But mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about the layout and the process of it being decided. And then uh, I know a lot of people also, and this is a two part question, always seem to want to know what we're gonna do with like the main hangar. So um, just talk a little bit about also like what we've done with that in the past, and then maybe what can we expect from it this year? Yeah. Um... Layout's a little tricky, and, you know, we've learned a lot over the years, I think, but, you know, essentially the airport's a blank canvas, right? I mean, there there aren't any parking spot lines pa- painted on the ground, and it's really, um, you know, it's kind of a, a blessing and a curse, I guess, in some ways, right? It, it'd be much easier if we were in a parking lot and we just said, you know, find a spot and Go, yeah. and park there or even assign people to a spot because, you know, the lines are on the ground and it's much more cut and dry. Um, when it's, you know, kind of a open space like we have at the airport, we really have to guide everyone in how to park and we try and keep it as organized as we can, but um, it's an outdoor event. People are able to, you know, unlike maybe an indoor show where you have people, you know, guiding people and marking off lines on the ground or you know people park their cars and then they the doors close and they can't turn their cars on until the end of the day at fcf people you know it's outdoors they they can maybe move their car around or they and we try not to you know encourage that happens every year but it does happen and um you know we try and like i mentioned earlier we try and keep cars kind of mixed up so it's not just like a huge clump of of one type of car or, or section for one genre of car. We try and mix the different makes and models because, again, I think part of the beauty of the event and and what maybe I enjoy most is just seeing cars that you otherwise would never see next to each other or park together or people meeting. Or even people. in just generally speaking, that atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, you know, again, we, we try and... Um, Try and keep the, you know, the parking as organized as we can, but it is, you know, kind of a, you know, a blank canvas in terms of like how the rows are are parked and, you know, getting them all lined up right. And, you know, it is a little hectic in the morning of the event because we don't, we don't stage all the cars the the day before or the night before. So 
you know, and cars are all different sizes and widths and lengths. So like getting them all lined up perfectly, um, you know, it, it doesn't always happen, but I guess that's kind of, um, you know, also kind of the hidden or kind of the beauty of it too, right? It's not like, not like just rows and rows of cars, you know, we try and mix things up and park cars in different directions and different rows and different ways. And, um, you know, that's kind of, it's fun, but it does make it a little bit more challenging, I think, for our staff and for us to, uh, to keep in order. Um, as far as the main hangar, you know, I don't know what it is about it. I, it, I think, you know, not every day people get to go to a small airport like that and kind of hang out in that environment. And it, it's not even, you know, I mean, I, I love the space, but in terms of all, when you look at all airports that are out there, it's not the fanciest or the most, you know, top of the line or, or you know, largest in terms of size it's just kind of a you know monday through friday it's a it's a space where the airport stores a few planes and they work on planes in there and you know that's kind of evident when you walk in there it's a little rough around the corners and there's pool benches and you know maybe even a plane or two still left in the hangar that we park the cars around and um you know it it's a functioning airport at the end of the day, right? They're, they don't close down the airport for us when we're there. They're still running. There's still customers flying their planes in and out. And um, we just kind of get the space for one day out of the year to kind of do what we want with it. So I think people like it in there just because it's, you know, it's not every day that they get to see their car kind of parked in the hangar. And, and it is a little bit, we try and, you know, we've, we've done different things over the years and, the past few we've tried to have kind of a theme to it and we have done the white cars for you know a few different years part of that i think and people may not realize this is purely because of you know up until last year when they replaced some of the lighting in the hangar it was kind of dimly lit in there and a little bit darker and you know even from like a photo me being a photographer if you put a black car in a dark space or in dimly lit you know building like the hangar you're not going to be able to photograph it very well. And honestly, it, it's not probably the best light for that vehicle to, to be in or to showcase Su super that Super tough, yeah. So, you know, white. And then, then the white also just tends to be, you know, when you look at the all the different color cars, like white is a common color. So we can have a variety of different cars that are, are white. But also, like, for the most part, you know, white is a more consistent color, like a crop from different makes and models. So, you know, unlike a you know, maybe yellow or another color where like there's so many different shades of it that, you know, it, they wouldn't all look the same or they'd look very different from one car to the next. White tends to just be more consistent. So it kind of look like a, you know, a, a whiteout, if you will, of, of <laughs> just different makes and models in the, in the hangar. Um, and it, you know, it, it was a variety of cars again. I think that was cool to see just the kind of showcasing something almost from every different genre that we have. Cool, man. As far as this year, we'll see. I mean, it, um, you know, again, the pool of cars we get every year is different. Um, we have different ideas that we've thrown out there, and it, it really kind of comes down to what who we have register, what types of cars we're looking at. And sometimes we just make that decision, like, on the fly. Like, yeah, the I mean, we've had to. It's some, you know, because we try and fill that space early in the morning because, you know, it get there, there there can be traffic i guess kind of in the show area with when other cars are parking throughout the other areas of the show and it gets hard to get around them and and you know park your car so 
we try and get people in the hangar early so that that you know that space is kind of done and parked and then we fill out the rest of the venue you know going further back towards the driveway um progressively as the morning goes on so uh it's an early start but yeah sometimes it part of it is you know if someone shows up super late or has an issue in their car unfortunately like that that does we can't hold spots like we we fill them as they come in we do have to do that and you know that's um you know in a perfect world i could sit there and pick every single spot for every car if i wanted to it just never works out that way you know people just don't necessarily show up at the right time or you know um yeah people run into issues and that that's kind of the the nature of the car world unfortunately things come up and cars break or people are delayed or there's traffic or you name it we've we've had different things happen over the years and we try our best to to get everyone in a you know a good spot that they're happy with but again you can't can't please everyone i mean some people you know wish they were in different spots or in better better locations with their you know friends or at a booth or whatever and um you know we just we try our best to kind of mix it up two year over year so if someone's been to the show before they're hopefully not in like the same spot every year um just to give other people a chance at like different different, different areas spots, and yeah. you know we'd like to even though the hangar a lot of people look uh, look forward to it and and hope you know maybe their car's in there um I like to think that, you know, just to be in the event in general is special and like just enjoy it. And, yeah. You know, not don't get so caught up on like where, you know, where exactly your car might be parked because, hope you know, if you're not happy with it this year for some reason, then hopefully next year, you know, or or just, you know, try and enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. I always tell people that like I, I personally think like any spot at the whole place is just, you know, a good spot. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, there's definitely... um yeah, I, I think it's just a cool, cool venue in general, and different different corners and different areas of the event that um you know have different feels or backdrops to them, and you know you just have to kind of appreciate them all and and try and you know enjoy all the different you know the whole show as it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So speaking of setting up uh the day before and then the day of, mm-hmm. uh just to go a little bit more in detail, what what exactly goes into that, and then. Uh, just you know, a little bit of a fun question that came in. Like, what's something that people don't know that that you find really difficult uh, every year with with the whole setting up day of, mm-hmm. day before sort of thing? Sure. Um, I you know, it's the day before. I mean, we all you know, a lot of us take off work obviously and and try and uh, prepare for the event. Like I said, we don't park cars the day before. We're just you know, we do all of that the the morning of the event before we um open up the show to spectators but the um the actual you know our setup goes the day before it's kind of a combination of um dropping off some of our you know items that we need that aren't obviously you know normally at the airport like our can i beat you know booth and and flags and um you know just making sure things are cleaned up and and cars that maybe or planes that normally would be at the airport parked in a certain space that we need for the show those things are moved and out of the way and and we're just you know in general in a good place and ready to go for the next day and we don't have any kind of random unexpected things you know that that will come up during the show so you know we're just kind of that's part of a big part of it and then you know like i said the flags i mean we get up on the ladders and (laughs) and we um 
you know, climb up and hang the big banner at the top of the main hangar and we, you know, set up our booth and we do, we do try and, you know, as much as we don't outline any spots on the, the actual pavement or um, parking areas, we, we try and mark off our vendors and where they'll be and try and keep things as organized as we can so that, um, you know, the rows of cars are hopefully straight and the vendors know where they're supposed to be parked and set up in the morning. And, um, you know, we do some of the work setting up the RC area so that the, the RC car guys can, can yeah. uh, have a clean surface and a, a you know nice space to do their thing. And, you know, that's really it, I guess. Um, it's just kind of like a, a day to, you know, make sure all the last-minute details and things are, are going well at the venue. Um, and then uh, as far as I think your other question was just around, like, what's the hardest Yeah, part? or what's something that, you, that like, a typical person wouldn't really think of that's difficult in terms of setting up day of or day before? Yeah, I mean, the day of is definitely crazier, right? I mean, you... You have three to four hundred cars, you know, showing up in, in a narrow window of time that you need to park, but not just like park anyway, any old fashion. Like we could just like let everyone do it themselves, but but unfortunately then um you know, it would be kind of a free for all and, and that's and not what probably we want. wouldn't look the way that we want it to look. So there there were you know, there's a lot of like guidance and the staff try and help park people and tell people how we want them and I mean, in that regard, the morning of is definitely a lot more hectic. And, you know, <laughs> until you've lived through it and, and kind of had to park, a, you know, a few hundred cars in a few hours um, in, a you know, specific areas and specific ways and space them out, hopefully evenly and all of those things. Um, and, and also keep in mind, like, your capacity and how many cars you're trying to fit and, and make sure you don't, like, park them too far apart and, you know, all those factors, that that's one of the toughest things to manage. And, I, you know, again, one person cannot do that. You, mm -hmm. We have, you know, almost 30 people help us every year. Um, and even that, you know, it, we can't get enough good help to, to really help run the show. Um, it's uh, We couldn't do it without our friends and, and some of our family members that, that come out to help. And so... Um, that, that's the biggest thing with setup, I think. Yeah, man. So uh, moving on, uh, let's talk a little bit about the trophies. So FCF has become really well-known for its unique trophies over the years. Talk to us a little bit about the history and the evolution of the FCF trophy and what, what can we expect from it this year? Yeah, so this year is going to be a little bit different. Um, so since the very beginning, um, our first year, uh, we were fortunate enough to work with our friends at at CCW Wheels, um, our complete custom wheels, CCW, um, in putting together some some unique awards that were made from from wheels that were cut in half and, and mounted on wood. So if you know if you haven't seen them, you can kind of look online or search for for first class fitment awards, and you'll probably see a, a series of photos come up from different people's uh, event coverage over the years and. And those have been really, you know, special to me and kind of, um, you know, a, a labor of love with, with my father and I. And, um, you know, my dad is um, an engineer by trade, but has, has always kind of, uh, you know, been very handy and, and enjoyed like woodworking and fixing and building things uh, on his own. And, you know, he's, um, he really took it upon himself to 
kind of you know if I if I was just me putting together awards every year then then I guess they wouldn't be what they are or what they they have been over the years but um so you know we've worked with a few different wheel companies you know for years it was CCW and then um, CCW changed hands and and they were purchased by a different company and um, we kind of had to you know work on our feet and try and figure out like okay what are we going to do we can't we can't get ccw wheels anymore um you know we, we need to find an alternative so last year um, was that first year where we had to kind of scramble and figure out what we were going to do and our friends at rotiform um you know, brian and and uh those guys they and jason and and uh, anthony between the three of them they really stepped up and and were um nice enough to provide us with wheels to use for our wards. And um, so thankfully we were able to keep that tradition going last year for the for the eighth year. And, and we've had several other, you know, I, I mentioned CCW and Rotiform and those were the wheels and, and that those are kind of the awards that I think, think people think of when they think of, you know, first class fitment. But we have also done some other unique awards with um, with other companies that, that I can't forget. So, you know, we've done our friends at Fortune Auto have been nice enough to provide us with a, a shock for several years, a, a coil, a small coilover to use um, for for one of our categories, and and our friend Rob from Ruck House, you know, sponsored us with a, a, a ruckus wheel that he makes um, for the ruckus award. So we tried to cater the awards to work with different companies that um, fit in those categories, and. Um, you know, that's been a lot of fun, and, and every year's been kind of a little bit different, and we try to mix it up with different wheels, different finishes, and different wood, and, you know, try and keep that quality going. Um, like I said, this year's is going to be a little different, and um, it's for a few reasons, but, um, you know, unfortunately, like I mentioned, my dad was a big part of, of kind of, you know, I, I can get all the pieces and <laughs> work with the companies. And I have friends, thankfully, that, you know, from these companies that support us. But um, I'm, I'm not much of a, a carpenter or wood, you know, and, and my dad um, works in a machine shop type environment and uh, is, is knowledgeable in that area. So he um, unfortunately is out of work for, for several weeks. Um, he had surgery and, and a hip replaced. And so this year, we, long story short, we won't have the wheel awards. So it, it feels a little weird. You know, we, it was a tradition for several years. Um, I, I would have loved to keep it going this year, but, um, you know, sometimes thing, things come up, right. Mm -hmm. And, um, we, we kind of roll with the punches and, and try and, you know, we're obviously, we're still going to have some cool awards that I think we're pretty excited about um and uh yeah and, and if you know hopefully next year things work out we'll we'll try and bring back the wheel awards and do something fun because next year will be our 10th anniversary event yeah and um we'll hopefully do something you know really special for that yeah man yeah and you and I just got a chance to look at the awards that came in today and look pretty cool so I'm I'm excited for yeah. for a change and uh and uh you know to see people's reactions about them and stuff which is yeah. cool so, um, lastly, before we, we close things off, man, uh, uh, where, where do you see, the, where, where would you like to see the show, uh, you know, next year going into our 10th year and then in, uh, you know, the next few years to come? Yeah, the, um, you know, we take each year as it comes and we, we, we try our best to learn from each year and, and improve wherever we can and, you know, no matter how small of a, a detail things might be or try and make things easier for not only ourselves, but 
but also make things you know more simple and and enjoyable for our you know attendees and whether they're show car owners or spectators so you know we hope to just continue to do that and and um, learn from our lessons and and you know experience but then also um you know change things up a little with the event in, in small ways or bring new entertainment or park cars differently and you know the layout changes or um, changing the theme in the hangar and, and all those little tweaks to kind of make each year a little bit different than the last um, so we'll you know hopefully continue to do that and and I'm really excited I mean next year you know I'm excited for this this weekend obviously just less than two days away yeah. but but next year being 10 years is I think it's special um, you know it's <laughs> a lot of a lot of work a lot of hours that have gone into the event over the years and um, you know being a 10-year anniversary and the fact that we've, we hopefully keep it going for that long is um, something I hope to, you know, really uh, celebrate, you know, with our friends that, that um, will come out to the event. We're getting, uh, the rain is coming in, but <laughs> um, yeah, and, and then I hope to, you know, step things up a little, yeah, you man. know, try and um, bring out some special cars that, that maybe haven't ever been to the show before work with our with our vendors and um and our other friends that you know support the event and uh try and get them more involved and and um yeah just make it one to remember you know and, and just continue to do that um you know i like i said very early on in the interview i don't think you know i don't have any aspirations of making this the biggest or largest event in, in our area or in the east coast or you know anywhere really um I think we have something special it's kind of like if it ain't broke don't fix it <laughs> yeah you know and so there is that piece of it um where like we i think we have something that that works and we you know we'll try and keep some of those things that people know and love the same but then you know there's other areas that we'll try and mix up and and you know change and keep people on their toes so <laughs> yeah and it'll be fun to kind of just sort of try and think of better ways to just like keep pushing the envelope yep yeah, yeah it's exciting you know if we just did the same thing every year then you know honestly i don't know that we'd, we'd still be doing it right um that, that would get a little boring you know so there is that that side of it but um yeah so kind of balancing the you know keeping the the good with you know the parts that work and the parts that that we enjoy and and the venue and you know the, what that special feel that people i think get and the vibe at the airport with you know and then trying to continue to, to evolve and you know change with the times the styles the trends yeah. the it's all about evolving and just being better yeah yeah, yeah just you know hopefully constant continuous improvement and um you know no matter how small or big the change might be like not not underestimating how like a small change might might make for um you know a, a good a significant improvement in the yeah event. yeah man Cool, man. Well, so we've been, you know, talking for a while. It's, it's been really cool. I'm like really glad that we finally got to do this after yeah, talking about this. So, I mean, I guess lastly, if you do, you have any like closing thoughts or maybe some shout outs uh, before we uh, wrap this up? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, thank you for for the opportunity. I, like you said, I think um, you know we get a lot of questions every year, and yeah. and people um, you know wonder how we do certain things. So, hopefully, you know, people find this a little bit you know, helpful if they, they're a fan of the show or they, they've registered before or come out before. And then, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just hope that maybe some people that haven't heard of the show or, you know, or have never been able to make the trip out that, um, 
you know one of these years they're able to, to come and join us and and see what it's all about and and experience it for themselves in person and you know like i touched on before i you know i really do encourage um people that you know especially local people that that maybe have registered and and um maybe weren't chosen this year or been chosen before and weren't chosen this year to like still you know try and come out and be a part of it and i think um you know a big part of this whole thing that we do and the reason we do it is kind of like you know they, the saying goes i think like be the change that you want to see right and and i'm not trying to you know i don't think we're trying to change the world here it, it's a car <laughs> show right it, it's it's um you know meant to be fun and and um you know an opportunity for people to come out and, and re- relax um but you know this is just like our way of you know contributing back to to the car community and and um you know providing this kind of venue for people to come out and you know showcase their cars and and have a good time so um you know i hope people don't take it too seriously and and still um you know come out and enjoy themselves and then just lastly you know i i just would like to really just thank you know all the people that have come out over the years and continue to come out um, not only as you know spectators and and show car owners but um, especially our our friends and um, our family so that they're a you know a big part of fcf and and first class women and also you know i think the success of just you know can i beat in general and and um, you know we call it the uh, the can i beat crew and you know without them um you know it wouldn't be around still yeah absolutely so Awesome, man. Well, that's a, a good uh, place to end things. So uh, thanks again yeah. for doing this. Uh, I know, we've, like I said, we've, we've talked about doing this, and it's and I'm glad that we finally got to like officially do this. So uh, this has been uh, Christian Loza with How It's Done Podcast with my guest Dave Tormey uh, with the special first-class fitment edition of the podcast. And then, uh, yeah, this Saturday at Princeton Airport, first-class fitment 2018, the ninth show. Yep. Uh, come out. That's it. Right. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. For Thanks, me. man. Appreciate it. <laughs>